This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content. Getting a bit of the end of a tropical storm. So you're getting the wind, you're getting the, uh, you know, the warmish conditions and you're getting a bit of rain. That's the end of the back end of a a tropical storm. We're in the middle of a perfect storm ourselves, of course, without wanting to be the merchant of doom and gloom. Um, European interest rates now for the European Central Bank are going to go up uh, and families will face the biggest squeeze in a decade. I can't help but think that things are worse now than they were after the collapse of the Celtic Tiger. I mean, in many ways, you know, yes. And I suppose in one or two ways, no. But certainly it's alarming what coming down the track runaway absolutely runaway prices everywhere I mean no matter what you're buying from a you know fill of petrol or diesel to a, a shop uh, renewing anything paying for stuff putting tires on cars things like that everything going north so we got the first of a series of interest rate rises from next month um, and they figure that between now and, the, and September, it could be as much as just under 1%. Now, that's a lot, really, with inflation at a 40-year high. It could mean upwards of €1,400 a year, say, for instance, on um, uh, an average mortgage, by all accounts. So an onslaught on the cost of living is a headline in the mail. And families facing the biggest squeeze in a decade. The headline in The Independent is homeowners brace themselves, not for one a rate hike on their mortgage, but by two between now and the autumn. And the cost then of filling the motor car. Well, I see people, thank you so much, constantly texting me on the different prices. But it certainly is the case now that the cost of filling a family car has doubled. Um, it's doubled, really and truly. And uh, the, the, it, it's at least 100 now uh, to fill a motor car. You're looking at €2.20 plus. Um, and that's just kind of an average Circle K and Balancholic. Is that regular unleaded or posh unleaded? Do we know the difference? It's regular. Thank you. The regular unleaded, 228. 228. Now, diesel's a bit behind. Not everywhere, though. Some are, you know, you still go into rural garages, you know, driving around, and you see that diesel is dearer than petrol in places, but by and large, by and large, cheaper. I know you guys will text me if you come up with other prices that could even beat 228, but it's bad, lads, and only getting worse. And bear in mind, I mentioned to you yesterday, that the higher petrol goes and the higher the diesel goes, the more the exchequer makes on VAT, excise, and all sorts of taxes. Nearly 58% of every litre of petrol that you put in your car, the government and the state and the exchequer takes nearly 50% of it in tax. And meanwhile... Front of the Echo this morning says that parents of children who during the school year relied on government funded school lunches, they're being forced to turn to soup kitchen charities as families struggle to survive through the summer holidays. Now, uh, penny dinners is a lot, an awful lot more than a soup kitchen charity, in fairness, because they are multifunctional in the things that they do. But across the summer now, those that would have been getting the likes of government-funded school lunches have to go to penny dinners to feed themselves and their children. Of course, Katrina Toomey told us that uh, earlier in the week. Meanwhile, um, I'm not quite sure what a non-fire is. I imagine it's a bonfire without the bonfire. It's a non-fire, but it seems to be taking off now. Much of it been driven by city council and lots of community groups in Mayfield, the Glen and Mahan, in Nochnehini, Farron Ree, Toker, you know, areas like that. They've all come together to give alternative bonfire nights where there ain't no fires at all. And of course, that is the date of Thursday, June 23rd. So it's taken off and of course, firefighters are much happier with it. Uh, and the city council and the fire brigade are much happier with it. And of course, it's better for the environment. It doesn't destroy parks. I think there's probably still going to be some bonfires. 
but nothing official or nothing that would be endorsed in any way, shape or form. I was talking on the air yesterday with Matt Griffin, the uh, Cork man who drives Ferraris and runs and races in the Le Mans race, the 24-hour race, which starts tomorrow. We had a good chat, actually. Great to see a Cork man uh, doing so well and living his dreams. But the papers pick up on the Michael Fassbender aspect of that story. He had a very, very bad crash. Um, and uh, that covers uh, all of the papers this morning in quite some detail, including the remains of his uh, Porsche 911 that hit a barrier. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, different aspects of life and living, and a lot of the papers love to talk about weight and the tips with regards to gaining, um, you know, muscle um, and losing weight or toning up. And one of the ways that many people do, and I have to say, I, I do it myself, you know, don't eat before lunchtime. It's the evening snacking, according to the UK Times, that gets everybody. I know somebody that actually brushes their teeth at seven o'clock, and that is the cutoff zone then. Fierce discipline involved in that, not to go for a sweet or a bar of chocolate or a biscuit, but evening snackers. If you want to continue to snack a little bit in the evening, then your starting point should be 11 o'clock in the morning. And on that basis, they say that you will lose weight, drink lots of water, it's better for your metabolism. But they look, they look actually at life now in 2022 and say compare it to the 1950s, completely different world, like 70 odd years ago. But they break down all of the different tips um, that would uh, make an awful lot of sense for people living in the 20s, you know, as opposed to the 1950s. Pearls of wisdom, actually, for women aged 50 and over. So these are the pearls of wisdom, um, the greatest tips from the 50s. Um, they, the things that really could make a big difference in your life. Like, for instance, making time for the things that you enjoy. Stop looking for perfection because it just doesn't exist. At the same time... <laughs> your 50s look after your teeth stop comparing yourself to others learn to love yourself appreciate the small things in life trust your gut instinct i think if there was any one thing as a pearl of wisdom you could give anyone or take on board for yourself it was it would be trust your gut instinct stay in touch with old friends never stay in a job you hate Easy to say, easier said than done, says many people these days. Uh, life's too short not to eat carbs. <laughs> There's lots more which I'll come back to the other because tomorrow. It's all about Ferraris there in 911. It's a super story in the sun today. They they look at you know all the different television series that feature iconic cars. Well, they have the top ten most popular iconic cars from television. And the number one car, you're probably thinking yourself now as I'm speaking, what would be? You might have thought, well, um, you know, Thomas Magnum's Ferrari would come to mind. Sorry, that came in third. Might have been, uh, you know, maybe something along the lines of Vera's Land Rover Defender. Well, that came in seventh. Um, Maybe Sonny Crockett's uh, Ferrari. That came in sixth. The number one of all time, apparently, is Inspector Morse's Burgundy Jaguar Mark II, voted the top of the cops for TV crime fighter cars. There are other ones. If you've never seen the TV series Ashes to Ashes or the sister series Life on Mars, I wish I could go back in time again, having not watched them, because I've watched them both because I love to watch them again. But that they're great TV series, really. Uh, two cars featured in that, the Audi Quattro and the Ford Cortina. The good old Ford Cortina. But actually, Gene Hunt drove both of them like an absolute lunatic. And then the mystery continued with regards to Gene Kerrigan's uh, wonderful article in the Echo yesterday about horse troughs. We were wrecking our heads as to where they were located. Two beautiful photographs of gorgeous cork horse troughs. One uh, at St. Luke's 
and the other on the lower road. And then she teased us all with the third one saying, you know, a, a drinking horse for, and the horse is drinking from the trough in the 1920s. But can you identify where the century old photograph was taken? And I was racking my head all day yesterday and I was saying, it's the same trough. I think it's the same trough, uh, the same one on the lower road that she's trying to trick us, uh, Jean Carrigan. And I believe that uh, Claire did some research into this morning and proved that it is actually the same trough. So it's the same photograph twice, one from the 1920s and the other from maybe around 2022. Two beautiful horse troughs, one on the lower road and the other up at St. Luke's. Lines open, you can text 0868 106 I'll come back to that absent-minded list of things that we forget to do a little later on this morning. That was a good laugh with Landa. There's many more of them, and we'll see how many of them you have in common with me. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. But I do want to say that uh, the Penny Dinners were in touch with us yesterday, particularly Katrina Toomey, with regards to some texts that were read out on air yesterday. And those texts included uh, text to who said we should move all uh, food banks and all services, including penny dinners, out of the city centre because they draw in, well, the actual text said, what they do is great, but it draws people in. There was another one that services for the homeless enable uh, a lot of the antisocial behaviour in the city. Don't feed them. They have plenty of money to buy drink to cause chaos. If they feed themselves, they will have less money for booze. And a third one then was from somebody who said, I go for treatment uh, at Lancaster Hall and going past Cork Penny Dinners, there are always people outside drinking cans and bottles. Um, now, those three texts were read out amongst a lot of other texts yesterday, and it wasn't intended to cause any upset for the wonderful work that they do at Penny Dinners. Anyway, Penny Dinners got in touch to say that there is no one getting drink from penny dinners. There is, though, an off-license at the top of the lane. If we do see people drinking, we ask them to move on. The people using our services are here because they need our support mentally and they need food. Only a small percentage coming to us has a drink or drug issue. And the texts were re- that were read out were very unfair. Um, yeah, and if, if, if they upset, then they weren't intended to do it. Sometimes I, I find it difficult because, you know, people are entitled to have an opinion or uh, a point of view. Uh, but I don't mean them to be in any way critical uh, to the services of the likes of penny dinners. And, you know, that point about only a small percentage going to penny dinners of a drink and a drug issue. Actually, Katrina Toomey was on the air on Wednesday and she said just that, that because of the cost of living, living impact on the public, they are now dealing with more and more people who just need a dinner or need food for their children. And that article in the Echo saying the children will go hungry across the summer because they're fed in school the rest of the year is a typical example of what Penny Dinners does. So it's for people also who can't pay bills or for people who have to decide what bills to pay. And I think without Penny Dinner, I know without Penny Dinners that many, many people would starve. So I'm happy to clarify and update that. Um, and, you know, uh, with regards to people who might be in and around adjacent to Penny Dinners with a bottle or a can, um, I, I know some of the lanes in and around by Penny Dinners and I have seen people gather, but that's just places where people gather anyway. And if there's a lot, an off-license adjacent, that's why they're there. It's not in any way being facilitated or um, certainly no alcohol has been provided to any single person 
uh, out of Cork Penny Dinners. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Talk to Brefney in just two seconds. Just on the cost of petrol and uh, diesel. Keep those prices coming. So I saw a 228 unleaded in Circle K. Um, I also saw a 219 for unleaded myself and 211 for di- diesel. Actually saw in Douglas yesterday the price go up in the greater Douglas area at one petrol station almost in a matter of hours. Uh, by maybe 10 or 12 cents. That's how quickly it can move. But Con Murphy said, and I was mentioning during uh, COVID, that the price of a barrel of crude just dropped down. It could have dropped down to maybe 20 or $30 a barrel. We never saw any decrease in petrol and diesel then. And Con says in 2008, crude oil hit a record price of €143 Euro per barrel. This was reflected at the pumps where petrol cost 120 a litre. Today, crude is lower than 143 at 120 euro per barrel. But the pump price is not 120 a litre, it's 220 or more. Don't be fooled by the government saying it's global pricing. It's all about taxation, says Con. So text 0868104106. I just want to pick up on some calls that I didn't get to yesterday. And I want to do the right thing by people when they have a story to share. Brefney, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And this How are is, you? I'm good, thank you. This is as much about a misdiagnosis as it is about, yes. uh, you know, A&E waiting lists or sitting on trolleys. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, my daughter is 21. She's in her final year of hairdressing, um, uh, works five days a week. Um, she's feeling very sick, um, feeling faint and work very breathless. Um, so on last Saturday, um, she said, Mom, like, I'm not well. Like, on Friday, she wasn't well. So on Saturday, she rang in sick to work and she was at home with me. So by Sunday, she wasn't feeling well at all. And I said, okay, but we'll have to go to South Dock. So we got to South Dock and when she went over to South Dock, her heart rate was racing 110 beats a minute. But her heart rate usually should be 60 or 70. And what was it? um, they like over in South Dock, they didn't really know because it, it's concerning. So um, for her to go, she had to go to London. So with that, we go over to the Murphy Hospital. No one was allowed in there because of her age, so she was off in a twenty-one year bed in, into the Mercy. Yeah. So when she went to the Mercy, they just done blood tests and things like that. I'm sorry, Brefney, I can't hear a word you're saying, and I don't actually know whether it's me oh, or whether sorry. it's your phone line. It could well be me, but could you move around a little bit just in case? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So with with that, like she got to the Mercy Hospital. Can you hear me there? Now? Yeah, we'll see how we go with that. Go on. Yeah, uh, she got to the Mercy Hospital and um, uh, they done blood tests. And uh, you know, after a while, after about eight hours, they just said, you know, they didn't know what was going on with her. That it was just stress, and her heart rate was racing. And they actually sent her home with sulfidine mill. So, one hundred and ten heart rate, uh, faint and yeah. dizzy. Why was what? What did they? Why did they prescribe that? What did they say was wrong with they her? They just said um, her heart rate was racing because of stress, and they sent her home with sulfidine. Was she stressed? Did she say? No, no, nothing like that. So on Sunday, like that was on Sunday, Neil, right? And on Monday, um, thank God we had a, a GP appointment. You just Tuesday. had a gut feeling about it, did you? I had a gut feeling. I knew, like I know my daughter, she is never ever sick, Neil. There's nothing ever wrong with her. She works five days a week. She's usually, you know, very healthy and, and well. So on, on um, lucky to God, thank God we had a GP appointment anyway because we wanted to just kind of get her checked out because she didn't have a checkup in ages and she was feeling fit. So we had our GP um, on um, Tuesday morning and when I went to the, when she went to the GP, the, she said that she was she had a fear that there was a clot in her lung and she said was there a test done in the Mercy Hospital called a D-dimer test and she got on the pathology in the Mercy Hospital and no, this test wasn't done. So with, with, with everything anyway, with all everything that was wrong with her, 
she ended up being a diabetic anyway, Neil, right? So eventually, I said to my GP, she said, look, she has to go back to the accident emergency. And I said, she won't go to the emergency. So we got her into COH, Neil, and thank God that we did. Why? What did they tell you when you got to COH? How was that visit? Oh, my God, Neil, I'm telling you now, what a few days we had in in COH. I have to say, you know, you hear all the stories and everything, COH, and there was a fourth-year doctor, noticed what was wrong with my daughter, a fourth-year medical student. He, he kind of knew by her and he'd done um, a urine test which wasn't done in the Mercy Hospital and her ketones were sky high in her urine. Um, with, within two hours, my, sis, my daughter was inside in resus for three days and she had 13 litres of drips between insulin, sodium and potassium. What would have happened if you hadn't... Did they tell you what... Um, what did they say they, about the Mercy visit at the CUH? Um, it, they're actually shocked in CUH that this urine sample... Like, it's just a urine sample... And being a diagnostic, it's just a prick of a finger, Neil. Why this wasn't done down in the Mercy Hospital. The, the, the thing that she had is called ketoacidosis. It's a life-threatening complication that it to do with diabetes. And all the signs of this, Neil, are gasping for breath, weakness and confusion. So she, she could have become, as you said in your she text, gravely Ill, sick. She was, I was told that she was gravely ill. She was in research for three days. And she was like constant nurses, doctors into her. She had 13 litres of fluids to me. She's only out since last night. And currently, no, I'm actually up in the diabetic clinic with her. In um, this So clinic. it was the CUH that caught it and diagnosed yeah, and her as type 1 diabetes. And it uh, was a medical student that type got one. it. Yeah. And yeah, what, yeah. what if, what if you hadn't this gut feeling and just... I actually, like, I don't even want to think about that because I just want concern about it. But no, I'm just very, very cross about it at the moment, about the Mercy Hospital, about the way she was treated. And, I like, my my thing is that she came out of hospital and the home with Salsadine and I was saying, look, she got checked out in the Mercy Hospital, so there's nothing wrong with her. But I just knew, I just knew myself, and I got her into COH. Well, um, what would the consequences be if you had? Would she have died? She would have died. She would have died. And I was told that she was just seriously, seriously ill. Yeah, yeah. Now, even her levels now today, you know, um, Neil, we checked, like, um, you, oh, you know, uh, level is supposed to be between 4 and 10. She's still eating today. Most of the way better than what she was. And we're up in the clinic here now, in the diabetic clinic in the um, CUH. Um, I have to say they were brilliant in CUH to her. I have to say that they were absolutely amazing. So, thank God she's where she is now. And um, But I'm just, I, I don't want to think what happened. No, I, I know you time. don't, but I can't help but think, has this happened to others? Oh, definitely. And that's why, you know, when I heard the news yesterday morning um, about that poor lady and her brother went in, I just, that's why I texted in then about my daughter as well. Because oh, I that's, like yeah, well, that was very else, sad where her know. brother was told, sorry, very, very 12 sad, months, you know? can't do anything for you, yeah. you won't see me and again. Like, if he was treated properly, you know, first when he went in, you'd be just wondering, you know. So it's so, so sad. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So thank God, look, we're out the other side of it and we have a lot to learn and a lot to get through, but we're getting there now and... Um, I wonder, I wonder, are these calls, incorrect calls made because people are overworked and overstressed and overstretched? But I just, I, I know they are under, understaffed and overstressed, but like this was a simple test, Neil. This should have been detected with the symptoms that she went in with. This is a urine sample that was never taken. I think that hospital. going home with a prescription you know? for salpanine is rather salpanine. dismissive, yeah. I have to say. I really do. Definitely. But thank God you intervened yourself. Mammy's intuition. Yeah. Well done, Breffney. Well oh, done. Definitely. I know, I know. Okay, I know. have Mammy's a great... Right. Take it.
Take a, uh, take a break, have a good weekend, and uh, she Thanks will recover. Well you. done. Lovely email in from Barry Clohessy. He said, uh, my name is Barry Clohessy. I had a near-death experience last Wednesday, the 1st of June, my birthday, at approximately 3.30 p.m. while doing repairs to a roof, I fell 20 feet onto a concrete floor on the right side of my body. After eventually getting my phone out of my pocket with my right hand, which was in severe pain because the shoulder socket was out, I made a 999 call. Fortunately, my luck kicked in and an ambulance was coming back from a call and was passing under the clock gate in Yall. So they were with me within two minutes. They packed me up and had me in the CUH in no time, where I now feel I am in the middle of a brilliant healthcare system. Because that healthcare system for me really kicked in. I was put through so many tests, x-rays, scans, you name it, I got it. Uh, I doubt uh, that, uh, sorry, he says, no doubt, he says, I held up a lot of people in the waiting room, which is something I never thought about before. Well, you were going through your own issues. Not to bore you, I am now in the most amazing care of the staff in 2A, who are, to say the least, angels of God. And that's an understatement. As the saying goes, your health is your wealth. But when you haven't your health, nurses are your wealth. I hope to be back fishing again by September, uh, if I can. But without their help, no doubt my life would be over. So I would love in the future if you could consider them for some kind of a prize. The staff in 2A of the COH. Maybe for your free food Friday. Even though I know the whole of the hospital deserve it. Thank you for your time. Finbar Clahasi in you all. Well, thank you for that because it's always lovely to hear the positive stories. And I'm delighted that you got the intervention that you deserved and needed and required. Now, with regards to feeding an entire hospital uh, for Free Food Friday. <laughs> that's that's certainly not possible. And to be fair to everybody else, you know, you say that the, the staff at 2A and the CUH deserve, um, you know, a special mention or a special prize. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if Rooster's Piri Piri will just give me some extra maybe this week. And we can check that out this morning for the staff at 2A and the CUH. I don't want to just give them Free Food Friday because it's unfair on all those that enter every week, week after week after week. So if I can do a supplementary giveaway, maybe a smaller one and and maybe sort something out on the side then for the staff at 2A at the CUH, then I will endeavour to do so between now and midday. But thank you for that, Barry. May you have a a fast and a full recovery. Yes, indeed, it is a Free Food Friday today. So you need to be texting who you are and where you are to 86 I'll go through all of the food that you'll get, the starters, the main courses and the desserts a little later on. But it's all from Roosters, Piri Piri, uh, Douglas and Blackpool. And if you're getting some uh, good tasty food at the weekend, check out RoostersPiriPiri.com. OK, so for now, back to the phone lines we go. And I think I got Deirdre on line three. Deirdre, good morning. Morning. Hi. Thank, thank Hi. you so much for, for holding. Just go ahead yourself. What's on your mind? No, it was just um, for South Dock. It was a few weeks ago. Um, my son is asthmatic, you know, and um, he's, um, whenever he has a cold or, you know, kind of some months, he gets especially wheezy. But it was the weekend and his um, blue inhaler ran out. So um, I was actually working on that Sunday. Um, I finished at half four, so I rang South Dock. And I said to the reception, like, about his blue inhaler running out, I said, look, if you don't need to see him, if that's going to be too much hassle, you know, um, like I can collect a prescription if it's easier. 
Do you not have a repeat? Forgive me for not knowing this, but is there not a repeat prescription for an inhaler? No. Um, there was, but uh, we we actually had run out. Um, we didn't realize that we had used the last one. You know. Oh, and then you have to go and get a new prescription. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I mean, to make it easier, because I was on hold even trying to get truth sent up for about 20 minutes. So I knew they were quite busy, you know. Um, but that's why I was saying, look, even if I could collect the prescription, it'll be fine, or I can bring him either way. So about two hours later, the nurse rang back and, you know, gave the spiel to her as well. And she said that she'll have to check with the doctor whether we'd have to bring him in or whether they'll be able to do the prescription. And that was it. They was he struggling at that? Was he struggling at this stage now? Yeah, he was wheezing a good bit. Yeah, now we did have his other inhaler, but um, but it's not enough in its own, you know. Um, so yeah, he was wheezing a good bit, but no, they never rang back again. After. So in spite of the fact that they said they'd call you back, having to consult with the doctor, you never got a call back. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a Sunday. I had to wait until the next morning to ring my own doctor for the prescription. You know. Okay, that's, yeah, because yeah. the recommendation now from CUH is to either consult with the GP, if you're lucky enough to have a GP, or to call South Doc. Yeah, yeah, Don't exactly. go to and the A&E, they're saying, you know? Yeah, yeah, now we didn't go to the A&E because, um, because we're kind of used to it, um, we, we're able to manage it and we kind of know when, if he should go to A&E, do you know what I mean? And how did yeah, he get he through the night then? Yeah, like we, we did um, kind of steam and things for him, you know, just to kind of clear it. He does some kind of deep breath exercises and things like that, you know. So he did get through the night, but it was a long night, if you know what I mean. And it was, was the Dock open that night? Could you have gone out there or would it have been mental out there, do you know? No, but you see, if you turn up there without... Oh, yeah, I know. And yeah. you they won't yeah. see you. That's yeah. right, yeah, I know, I know. But actually, yeah. just if... Um, just it's lose, lose. The, yeah, um, you were mentioning yesterday about over in the UK, you know, we were um, over in the UK, my sister lives in Birmingham, and um, my husband had an ingrown hair, and that kind of got infected, so it was quite sore, and we were saying to my sister, oh, you know, is there anywhere we can go? And she said, oh, well, there's a walk-in clinic, you know, up the road, and I was saying, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, I was saying a walk-in clinic, you know, we're going to be here for the day now, you know? He was in and out in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The NHS. It's amazing, yeah. Everything's free on the okay. NHS. Well, you pay through direct taxation, but after that, you don't pay again, you know? It yeah. was actually faster than if I had had an appointment with my own doctor. So if you go you into the I mean? walk-in clinic in the UK, it's free. If you go into the A&D, they will bill you. Is it, a, is it 90 euro or 100 euro or something, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but and, it, like, and also I think they bill you for an ambulance now, don't they? They also bill you for a fire brigade. So everything you need here, you've got to pay for yeah, now they do have, because um, my sister is a nurse herself, and they do actually have a system over there where they have um, nurses walk-in clinics that run 24 hours. So we'll say for things now, um, like if you had a burn or if you needed stitches, or then you would go to the nurses clinic rather than A&E. Yeah, perfectly capable and trained to do yeah. all of that. Nurses, yeah, yeah, no need for a doctor there. Yeah, it's kind of, it's common sense, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's something that should be explored here further because there are a lot of things that can be done by the nurses that wouldn't be clogging up any. Yeah, you know? I suppose where we'd have to start there is get more nurses, wouldn't we, Deirdre? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Good point. I'm glad <laughs> your son is okay. <laughs> Thanks for taking the call. Tricia, good morning. How better is it over there in the UK? Um. Well, getting to see a GP is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Because... Um, 
there was something you read yesterday about everyone being at Harlow Hospital A&E and the nurse coming out and saying that there's so many people in front because mm. everyone was turning up there. And that happened to my husband. Um, we were. This is the 15th of May and we were driving back down the M1 and he kept getting these stabbing pains in his lower back and he thought, oh my God, it's my kidneys again. Mm. Monday morning, he rings the GP, and they gave him an appointment for the 6th of June, last <laughs> Monday. Charming. I know. <laughs> Stabbing goes, back pain for a month was you know the 6th. Yeah. And he goes, I'm in freaking agony here. No, 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 can't see you. So he thought, he rang 111, and she said, well, you know, you need to see your GP. And he said, I can't. They give me 6th of June. She said, what? Leave it with me. 11 o'clock, the GP rang him and gave him an appointment for the 17th of May the next day. Wow. He's had his scan since and he's got kidney stones and they've broken up and they have to pass. But yeah, getting in that door. But he said on the Tuesday when he went in there, there wasn't a sinner in there, only him and the three receptionists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but it, say comparing the health system there and here, I don't know how much you know of the Irish system with the A and E and uh, South Dock and I don't want a million people on the waiting list. I really don't want to make anyone upset, but um, my daughter is disabled, and they don't leave us alone with appointments and referrals, and you know you have to go and get your, uh, you know that scan you get when you put the hat on you to see they put this thing on you and then you go through a tunnel and they check out yeah. your yeah. things. Her OT, she's 23 and she's still getting these things. So it, it, we, we, we get more. We get so much. We do get so much. But you pay for it. No, you, but you, yeah, but the you... The insurance is very, very high. Mm. Very, very high. Mm. Is, that, does that, is that a form of your wages taxation? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then your GP is free and doctor's visits are free and hospital visits and, and, then, and surgery. And then for us, then for us. Prescriptions are free, everything like, yeah? No, 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 no. If, you, um, if you're just a, a regular person working and everything, you have to pay for your prescriptions. If you've got a disability or diabetes or you're elderly or you're unemployed, then you don't. You right. get an exemption card. Okay, so sim- that's similar to the system here then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you don't, you don't pay for... Um, no, you don't pay. Okay, that's, all right. Yeah. Okay, good points. Thanks for that, Trish. Kathleen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Um, were you in the Mercy? I was in the Mercy. I had surgery in the Mercy. Okay. Is this recently or when? Uh, March of 2021. I went in to have um, a fistula removed. Mm-hmm. And um, because of adhesions, they couldn't reach the fistula. So instead of leaving me be, um, they decided to move my original stoma up into my stomach. Okay. Which um, left me with massive high output. Um, I didn't know any of this at the time. The bag just kept breaking and leaking. Um, I didn't know what an electrolyte was. Never heard of potassium or magnesium. Yeah, but you're not to, you don't need to know these things if the medical Yeah, cares. but I eventually did know those things, Neil, because I went into nearly organ failure. I nearly died. They left me seven months in and out of hospital, and I thought I was getting just a drip but I was actually getting infusions of magnesium and potassium. Right. And it came to a stage after seven months 
from March to October that they told my husband my organs were on the verge of failing. Like that now, a different doctor was on in the A&E. She came in to see me. She'd done my bloods, came back, and she said, you're in serious trouble. Your organs are on the verge of failing. And I burst out crying. I didn't know what was happening. She said, magnesium, potassium, sodium is in your boots. Your heart can't take any more. I wanted to come home, and they told my husband that if I came home, I would not make it back. I'd go into cardiac arrest. So they then tried to explain that all the electrolytes that I was eating and drinking was going straight through and out through the stoma because they had given me a high stoma in my tummy which caused me to have short bowel syndrome. Yeah, you see, people listening to us now won't follow any of those medical terms, you know. Well, that you know? means when a large portion of your bowel is taken away and there's only a small portion left. Okay. Everything you eat and drink, you can't absorb you, Yeah, but I saw I, there were things leaking into your body system, so. Yeah, yes. and I was losing all my electrolytes out through my stomach bag. Okay, and that was leading to potential organ failure. Yes, it and was. Wh- and kidney- are you blaming the hospital for that? Well, yes, I am. It's their fault. They should have stopped the procedure. They should have taken me back to the ward, woke me up, explained all the circumstances to me and told me what would follow if I went ahead with this type of surgery. And therefore, it was my decision to make then because my whole life has changed. Has it? In what I'm way? On, I'm on parental nutrition, Neil. It's called TPN. I'm on that three nights a week. What is that? It's a Hickman line I have put in my chest. Oh, you fed intravenously, so? I'm fed intravenously three nights a week now because of all this, because my body had to recover. So I had to have a Hickman line put in my chest. Do you eat any solid food? I eat small and often. That's all I can eat. And I'm on, I was on 64 Imodium a day. Before you went in, is it? No, after the surgery. 64 Imodium for what? 64 Imodium to try and stop the bowel from working. 30 milligram codeine phosphate, 60 milligram of codeine phosphate four times a day. St. Mark's solution, which is the solution made up of water and your electrolytes. It's um, sodium and And oil. And what are you putting it all down to? Neglect. They shouldn't have proceeded with the surgery, Neil. They should have stopped and thought, what is this going to do to this lady's life? I have no quality of life now. Like, I'm limited to what I eat. I can only have one litre of water now with ten sachets of diorolite inside me. Ten sachets is a huge amount of diorolite. Ten sachets of diorolite in one litre of water a day. I'm on 34 Imodium a day. 60 milligram codeine phosphate four times a day. And after I drink that litre over the period of 24 hours, I can only have about two cups of tea. And um, what were you like before you went in for the surgery? I was suffering with a fistula, but there was no restriction on that. Like there was restriction on my food intake now to a certain extent. Yeah, but what about your your... Pharma intake. We weren't on any of that stuff before you nothing, went in. No, nothing. 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 I was on no codeine. I was on no modium. I was on no diorolite. And the worst part is that I cannot accept the TPN. I hate it. But it's just you, you're talking about the intravenous feeding. Yeah, yeah, I was malnourished. I was. I had malnutrition. I lost four and a half stone. I had malnutrition due to the hospital's neglect. 
And have you been back in touch with them? Do you know what they said to me, Neil? Last January, last October, November, the ball is in your court now. We're referring you to a different specialist in a different hospital and it's up to you if you want to carry on. Yeah, but with regards to your treatment or mistreatment, have you done anything about that? No, no. There's nothing I can do, Neil. Will you get better? Will you improve? I hope so, but there's no amount of money or apologies in the world is going to change my outcome now. Crikey. What I eat, what I drink, planning a day out, planning a night out. I don't drink, I don't smoke. Even going away for a weekend with my husband now, I have to plan in advance all the medication, all the appliances for the stomas, and then all this medication and drinks that I have to make up. It's a nightmare, Neil. Isn't it, though? And it's all, it's, a it's certainly a, it's a colossal change of lifestyle. It's a massive change. It's just like somebody ripped a rug right out from under me. Wow. I, I can't accept it, and there's nothing I can do about it. Well, I, would, I think you can. I think you can certainly write to the HSC uh, and the ask for questions. The hospital um, are getting away with an awful lot, and that is why... Well, let's be fair now. Let's just, you know, know, let's not generalize because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening now uh, who have been treated very well in Cork hospitals. You know, in your own specific instance, you mightn't agree. But I've been in the COH for a full month. I saw elderly, vulnerable people getting their trays put up in front of them with their food. They'd be asleep, disorientated, and the people would come back and take the trays away. You didn't want to eat. They don't have the staff need. I know, I've heard so that it isn't that they don't want to eat, it's just that they can't eat without help. They need assistance, and there's no assistant care there now. There is no assistant care there for the elderly or the vulnerable. Mm. And I'm only 56, but I am one of those vulnerable now, and it's not a nice place to be. I know, I hope that you get your life back 100% the way it was. I really do, that in time things will slowly improve. I hope so too, but... Yeah. Yeah. I just have to wait and see. But okay. as I say, there's no amount of apologies. Our money in this world is going to change the outcome. I know, I know, I know. Listen, thanks for sharing your story. It's an alarming one and I really do hope that things improve for you. I just want people to know, Neil, that there is other help out there because the hospital I'm with now is the CUH and they are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They saved my life. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to hear at least. Okay. Yes, thanks, Kathleen. Night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. In defense, to be honest with you, if you've got a system that's creaking and bursting at the seams and understaffed and overworked and huge amounts of footfall coming through, sometimes you're bound to get things wrong. Just think of it. It's the same in any business or anything that you were doing where you provided a service to the public. What we probably need is more walk-in doctors clinics you know um, and more nurses of course in clinics also like Liam says there's a great walk-in doctors clinic at the entrance to Douglas Woolen Mills outstanding service you just literally walk in pay your money and you know they look after you for whatever may be wrong a selection of texts this side at 10 o'clock people should wake up the cost of living going up has nothing to do with the war in Ukraine this is all about getting back what the pandemic cost it's like there is no one running the country 
there should be an election in the morning. I wonder if you take any consolation from the fact that other countries, certainly in the UK, are going through the same kind of drama and nightmare as us. This is the price of fuel in the Canaries on Wednesday. Diesel, 152. Something is very wrong back home with you guys. Uh, it's the same, you know, with regards to renting. It's the same thing with Airbnb and landlord tax. They won't budge on it, making Ireland too expensive now for its own citizen citizens. This country will become a property resort. I don't suppose any of us want to contribute from their unacceptable salaries, uh, says Frank and Cove. Uh, another one or two, it's all very well saying contact your GP. My wife tried to make an appointment yesterday and was told she would be seen, wait for it, at the end of June. Um, and that is if you can even get into see a GP. I think a lot of them are still phone cons, uh, consultations. Uh, on Rip Off Ireland, uh, I priced Ken Mayer for five of us, bed and breakfast. Had to laugh when I saw the price. Insane. Needless to say, I'll be heading to Spain. Here's the screenshot of the Ken Mayer B&B. Seven nights, 3,482 euro. June 22nd to June 29th. And I have the screenshot. Bed and breakfast in Ken Mayer, three and a half thousand euro for seven nights. Please, if you get a chance, will you thank Dennis O'Leary, the taxi driver? He drove us from the South Vic to Kent Station at approximately 2.15. If we needed a tonic, he was it. A nori in his own words. Thank you, Dennis, says Dennis O'Sullivan in Middleton. Uh, so well done to Dennis O'Leary, the taxi driver. Gave people a good laugh and well done for doing it. Always remember, it was Martin and Harney who destroyed the health service, as Helen and Kinsale. Um, signs on GP's doors now say no new patients being accepted. Uh, one or two more on different topics, including policing. I was in court for a speeding ticket last Tuesday. In one courtroom, I counted 14 Gardaí. That's the reason why our streets are not patrolled properly. Well, that really sums it up for me. 14 Gardaí who should be out on the beat working, stuck inside in a court for speeding offences. There's got to be a more straightforward way of doing this from the point of view of administering it and, um, you know, handing down justice. Surely be to God that could be clerical as opposed to Garda. I've listened to you all week speaking about the antisocial behaviour in Cork. I've also listened to you defend our Garda all week as a proud Garda wife who worries about her husband every time he goes out on duty, as I never know what dangers he may face on any given day. Your support is greatly appreciated. Yeah, I just think that we've long passed the point of criticising the actual Garda working in the force. Long past that. It just doesn't make sense to be saying that anymore. Uh, it really and truly is a much bigger problem than that. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I see a great text there coming in for everybody who's down at the Skian Scholla down at Parky Cueve. Big shout out to everybody at Claro National School girls and boys who are playing in the finals this morning. I was down there yesterday just dropping up some dropping off some competition winners for tickets to Live at the Marquee at the box office and the activity down around Parky Cueve was absolutely fantastic. There were dozens of coaches from all over the county bringing kids. They were all singing and chanting and clapping their hands and there was big gangs of them all gathered together with their teachers and there was parents there and everybody was parked up. It was a fantastic event and a great buzz down there. And the new park there, although it's not finished yet, 
Uh, it is beautiful and it will be absolutely divine when it's totally done. Now, it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. What will you get, I hear you ask? Well, for starters, you'll get chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. And the main event then includes chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers. It's all got the Piri Piri sauce. We've got Piri salted fries. We've got the rice, the uh, new sides, which are the waffle fries and all your Piri mayo and your Piri garlic mayo. And then you build your own desserts, cheesecake with all sorts of toppings on board. So it'll feed at least 15, if perhaps more. So you need to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And here's our first bunch of shout-outs on this Friday morning to everybody and everyone working at Bar One Racing, Evergreen Road and Turners Cross. Um, morning to everybody at Premet Fabrication on the Powderduff Road. Love a munch today. Haven Bay Nursing Home are listening this morning down Bandonway. So good morning to all of you. Medical secretaries in the Dunmanway Day Unit in the CUH. Specsavers, Market Green in Middleton uh, are always entering and listen every day. Rob and the gang at Transport in Ballyvalan. Hungry lads would love some food. And then, this is funny because you have everybody working hard at Union Hall of Smoked Fish um, Cork's finest looking for chicken to eat this lunchtime fishmongers looking for, for chicken I like it uh, meanwhile maybe it's a change is as good as a rest everybody at Noreen's Hair Studio in White's Cross so good morning to Noreen Ella Breda Ita Ita, Ita, I can never tell. Catherine and Sheila Kay, all working very hard. Uh, dental options uh, in Black Rock. Uh, one or two more. Leahy's Open Farm. Amazing place, amazing people, says Eilish and Tallow. EMH Technical Services. The maintenance staff in particular, but all of the gang at the Imperial Hotel. Two countrywide drains. To the Gutter Guy Services in Blarney. Zoo Cars in Little Island. Carney's Coaches. Centra on the Tory Top Road. Keeping the community fed with breakfast rolls and hot chicken rolls. And they'll share it with everyone in the shop. Everyone at Oliver Hayes Gardening Services, Carrick Dunn in the Douglas Village Shopping Centre, the Millennium Hair Clinic in Blackpool, and everybody working in Frankfield for Sigma Homes. So, get those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. And I'll do the next bunch of shout-outs in about 20 minutes' time. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red Okay, FM. Kate standing by. But first up, Jamie, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? You're telling me, right, that um, in Ireland, the medical system leaves children and toddlers in pain and people should take their children to Poland for treatment. Yep. Okay, yep. so... 100%. Back up that statement. What happened? Okay, my daughter, she, Clara, she's three and a half, and she had um, a bad tooth uh, at the top, at the back. So one of her chewing teeth. And um, was there pain? She, yeah, she was in a lot of pain. So when, when one night the pain was so bad, she wasn't eating, wasn't drinking, and she was constantly crying, telling us that she was in pain. Now, as a parent, so, that's heartbreaking. Never mind the pain yeah. she's in as a child. Yeah. So it was about five o'clock, five six o'clock in the evening, and we we're panicking uh, all over the internet trying to find a dentist that's open. We eventually found one. He said, "Bring straight out." Now she wouldn't let him touch her. She was so scared, she said, no, no, she wouldn't let him touch. Yeah. So he, he only got a look by us saying, well, look at that in the sky and open your mouth. And he just got a quick look. So he gave her um, penicillin uh, to do the job for now and recommended that we uh, make an appointment with a specialist. So Why? Because she'd have to get an anaesthetic to go under, is it, or something like that? Yeah, because she wasn't uh, cooperative. Okay, okay. So the penicillin worked, the pain went away. 
and a few days later when they went they're gone they came back yeah. and we were getting a phone call from the crash to take her home because she's really bad and um, we tried everything. We brought her into the HSC place in Simpermer's Hospital. And they did, I'm fairness to them, they did see her the same day. What is that now in Finbar's? Is that a dental clinic? Yeah, it's a place where all the kids go. All for, the kids, they all go for their dental checkup. For dental, okay, right. Well, that yeah. sounds to me as if the place to be, yeah. Yep. No, I thought that myself until we went in there. And we wanted, like, uh, for me, I was like, get it sorted. My fiance was like, if we can get her sorted with a filling, then that's better because she's worried about her future. The, the way apparently something, if, when you take out a small tea, it can affect the future growth of the teeth. Okay. And orthodontics and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, the HSC were putting on a waiting list, which is one year long. And if they put her under, they're taking the tooth. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah. So, Here's a typical example of the one million that I say is in a, on a waiting list and a hundred thousand of them children. Yep. Yeah. For, yep. A, for a year a year or longer. A one year waiting list. I even said to him, but she's in pain. And it's like, uh, there's nothing we can do. The waiting list is, that's the waiting list. It'll be about a year. We can put you on a cancellation list as well. But right now it's about a one year waiting list. So we then decided to try to go private. So that means then... That what they're really saying, or they're they're working in a system that forces them to tell you that your three and a half year old, unless you can go private, and we'll talk to that in a second, will be in pain, this excruciating pain for a year. Yep, I have okay. to keep on coming back numerous times before they'll actually do something about it, and there's not even an emergency dental clinic for children. Okay, so we have a health like, system now. Be, we have a health hospital. system now that tortures that that legally. It tortures our children. Okay, that's that's charming. That's, that's pretty much the way yeah. we felt about okay. it. Okay, so uh, but uh, nonetheless, there is a dental clinic in the in St. Finbar's where you just can't go in and get it done as an emergency. You're telling me that that does no, not happen. They, they only gave the appointment just to see her. They didn't give us anything for her. They just took details off us and put us on the list. Okay, so they wouldn't have a dental surgeon in the next room in a surgery, all gowned up, nope. waiting for people nope. like and, you to get it done in. Hope. Yeah. No, nope, exactly, and that's what we thought we were going there for. Good God. So it was a bit of a kick in the ass, to be honest, when we got there to find out, yeah, another year. Okay, so yeah. So you didn't, you didn't like, say, I am not I am not leaving here with a three-and-a-half-year-old in pain until no, you sort No, there's no point. It's uh, pissing at the wind but with that. You know, so there was no point in it. So we tried to go private, and uh, we went out to another dentist, uh, a Polish dentist, who was great with her, and... She recommended a couple of places for going private for a specialist. And when we called up all of the private places, the closest time we can get was September. And that's just free assessment. Not to get it done, just to get seen. Just to be seen. Privately. Yep, just to be seen. And that's 250 euro cost just for the assessment. So I asked them, I called them back and asked them after the assessment if he decided that needs to be taken out or filled will it be done right away no there'll be a list for that as well but it won't be as long well what would it be because that's four months just to get seen privately like it is faster like once you're in you're in so it is faster I just don't I just don't accept that like it's still four months privately and twelve months publicly with a three and a half year old on excruciating pain and 
bear in mind, this was last month, so five months. <laughs> five months, yeah, last month. Okay, yeah. sorry, five months. Yeah. Okay, so that's not an option. No, no. Um, uh, herself, she was in tears every night. And um, we were going to a wedding in Poland. So we discussed it and we said, why don't you call your friend? Uh, she lived in Krakow. We asked her to call her friend and see if she can check out any places over there. So she checked out one or two, and the second one we spoke to, the, their attitude was like, no, the child's in pain. Like, we're, we're very, very busy, and we're fully booked, but the child can't be in pain. And uh, When are you arriving? We told them we're coming next week. Okay. You're arriving on the 22nd, come in here on the 23rd. They did everything that day. Now, it was a nightmare getting there. The hardest part of the whole thing was Rainer and getting the blood taken here before we left. Mm. Um, well, was Ryanair late or something? I'm certainly buying no, the way, was it? Right, we're Ryanair, what it was, we missed the flight. Uh, we didn't miss the flight, but they didn't let us on the flight. Why? Uh, Ryanair, on the, and I checked this afterwards, the website says you have to be at the gate half an hour, uh, sorry, 20 minutes before the flight. We were at the gate around 35, 40 minutes before, and this was when Dublin Airport was packed. There was people everywhere, and so let's say we were for gate number two. People were queuing up for gate number one across gate number two. So we saw all the people there, and we thought, okay, they're not boarding yet, because they're going right across. Chaos, so chaos. So we're we're standing there, and then it came up to about 25 minutes before the flight. So I walked over to see if there was somebody there to talk to to find out what's going on, because there was no information there. And whatever way I looked, I saw gate closed. So I walked around the crowd, the people, to see nobody standing there. The gate closed, the airplane there, all of the baggage is still being loaded. Uh, in panic, I rushed over to the next gate, asked somebody if they could help us. I explained the situation. I told them we have an appointment the next morning, and this is the only flight to crack up. And typical Ryanair, too bad. But the, plane, the, but the plane was the, still there, like, there was, okay, the people plane, were, yeah. The plane was there, the luggage wasn't even on. Okay, and you said to them, did you say w- words along the lines of, my daughter is going to Poland oh, yeah. for a medical emergency? Them. Yeah, I told them all about it, and like, too bad, go down to the ticket desk and book another ticket. They didn't say, oh my God, we got to get you on the plane? No, nothing at all. I spoke to three different people, and one guy said to me, can you stop annoying me, sir? I need to deal with these passengers. You said my daughter's going to Poland for a medical emergency. Yep. We got we got caught up in the chaos of the of different gates. Please help me. Yep. I, that's exactly what I said. And I say, if anybody saw me, they probably thought I was a headless chicken. Good God Almighty! What right. kind of a, what kind of a society are we actually living in? I mean, that's just yep. disgraceful. So what I ended up doing then is in panic that we're going to miss the appointment because if we didn't get there that day, we were bollocks. Um, I went online and luckily enough I was able to get a flight via Helsinki. <laughs> My God, so you literally watched that Ryanair yep. flight going to Krakow out on the yep. tarmac pulling away without you? Yep. How hard would it have been for them to let you on the plane? I know, and even for me, even to get somebody who would actually talk to me, by the time I got some, by the time I would have found someone to talk to me, the plane would have been gone. Because I would have had to left, I would have had to leave a sec- the secure area Oh my God! I know, I know, I know. And, stuff, and then we go won't, back through the yeah, okay. We won't dwell on that much longer. Yeah. But that is just so oh, unkind, got, you know. Yeah, but I, I got Finnair. Luckily, it was a few hours later leaving to Helsinki. So Finnair 
to Helsinki, an hour in Helsinki, and then to Krakow. So the three-hour journey turned into something like an eight- or nine-hour journey. Okay, and but the there you are. And into, sorry euro. to hear about that. So, yeah, you're 800 euro for the flights, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. what a dose. Yeah, so the clinic then, um, you got there, you had the appointment, you arrived. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, we got there, and it was almost like a small, tiny little hospital. They straight away, they brought us in, gave us a tour of the place, and because the blood results, hadn't, we hadn't received them yet, we had to wait, because we're, we were nowhere ahead over there. All right, so we had okay. To wait the doctor to open here. I had to get them to email the blood results. Okay. Just told us, go have a coffee and come back to us. They gave us a room, so if you want to sit down here, they gave us a tour of the place, and we got the blood results. He looked at it and said, yeah, she's absolutely fine, so we'll go ahead with that. Uh, she had her own room, uh, a bed inside the room, toys, television, um, a door out into a garden, um, her own anesthesiologist, her own nurse, and her own dentist. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, the anesthesiologist, he was actually worked in a children's hospital as well, and the most impressive man I've ever seen dealing with children. He was just so um, nurturing the whole time. Uh, Every t- everything was about keeping her calm even as he was putting on her that was a bit of a struggle as well holding yeah. the mask okay so she went to colour they did a major filling on the very painful one and five minor yeah. fillings no she they, did, they did they had to extract the, the bad one okay okay one and extraction on one major filling and five minor okay that's a lot of work yeah. on a small little girl yeah yeah. so like what their, their attitude was like while she's under we're not going to just take we're just not going to look at that too we're going to look at all of them alright anything that needs to be fixed any bit they need amazing to make sure you don't have to come back amazing um, so they did all of it and even afterwards uh, the anesthesiologist he was in and out in and out and he was saying he would come over and he'd tickle her with a piece of paper to see if she reacts to it and stuff and just uh, like putting a feather to your nose that type of thing doing that day she reacts and he's like okay she's not ready to wake up yet let her wake herself because otherwise it'll be like waking with a bad hangover yeah yeah and he just kept on saying just let her wait as long as it takes let her wake up herself and they actually stayed there until we were leaving all of the staff stayed waiting yep. patiently for her to wake yep. up and they left when and, you left and their attitude was make sure she wakes up when she wants to wake up if she wants to wait if she wants to go up to sleep for another hour that's fine okay you had and to pay them sleeping. Jamie right Yep, we paid them happily. It was uh, 3,000 Polish lati. What's that in, in real money, six, the fellow says? 600, 650 euros. For you'd have paid that and more privately here. I can guarantee you that. Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been 250 euros here just for the assessment. Probably another 250 euros for one filling. God knows and what you'd have paid. Probably another 200 euros for having to put them under. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, oh, the anesthesiologist has paid separately. Uh, and, uh, you, do you, yeah. and do you pay then per filling and you pay per extraction, do you? You pay per, per everything. <sighs> per. And over there, the whole thing cost, it was like having the whole hospital to ourselves for a day for 650 euros. I know. I'm delighted it worked out, but I'm utterly depressed at the treatment here. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like, that's what I actually said it to Justina when we left that place that if I ever hear anything about healthcare on the radio again I'm definitely going to be saying I'm that. glad you shared that story because <laughs> it's an eye opener it's important that these kind of stories are shared it really is oh yeah, yeah. we'll see you we'll see her we'll see her in a year 
Yep. So God. anybody out there who has a child in pain, check out Poland. Because even when you take the flights into it, and like, for any parent, it's not about money. Like, like I couldn't afford the extra flights and all this kind of stuff. But it was like, well, I didn't even think. Got out the credit card, book the flights. Yes. When I'm missing appointment, we're going. Yes, I know, I know. And I just think for anybody, if they see their child like that, it's not a, it's not about the money. Yeah. But yeah. When you take the money into account, flights, hotel, treatment, you would have you would actually have a weekend plus the rest, and still save money compared to what. Yeah, but five months to wait privately for an assessment, and then exactly. that could be another, say, three months after that. That could be eight months privately, right? So even if you waited the eight months and then got it done, eight months of pain, which is intolerable, it would probably still have cost you more. Oh, it would definitely cost more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What have we done? How have we allowed this to happen? How did it get this bad? Thanks, Jamie. Glad it worked oh, out for you. That's it. Take yep, care. Cheers. Let me just I stay don't. with the Polish aspect for just one or two more seconds, if you don't mind. A couple of minutes. Kate, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. Your son is a second year med student in Poland. Is that right? He is, yes. That's right. Okay. Why? Um, basically, um, he sat the HPAT and his leading cert in 2019 and he had the points to do medicine here, but unfortunately, um, he didn't um, pass the HPAT. So, um, he got his second choice in UCC and he just What's said... What's a HPAT? Oh, that's the exam that you have to do. It gives you, um, to qualify you to actually go to study medicine here in Ireland um, it's for all the world. It's like a multiple choice question questionnaire, and to be honest, a lot of the questions there's no right or wrong answer in it. But they have decided what is the right answer, fed through a computer, and um, you have to get a certain percentage okay. in it. All right, thank um, you for explaining to, that. You know, so that's so. Um, he got his second place in UCC, and he just said, "Mum." It's not what I want. I want medicine. Look, I'm going to do the HPAT again and I may as well go back and do the leave. I'm glad he did that because an awful lot of people are in courses. It's a racket, actually. They're in college courses that they have no interest in as a career path. So he went back and did the leaving cert again? He did 2020 lockdown and all that because he said, look, if I'm going to be doing the HPAT, I may as well go back and do the leaving again. Brave boy. Brave boy. as I said, you know, it, all his friends obviously then were going on to college and everything, but it was, you know, a big decision, but I'm delighted that he made that decision. So, um, again, uh, he studied very hard for the HPAT and um, just narrowly missed out. He was so disappointed and um, he was so confident coming out of it because oh, um, he had put so much work into it. Big try, um, big time trier. That's a shame. What happened next? Absolutely. So anyway, um, then he decided, right, that's it. I'm going to have to apply abroad to do medicine. So um, he applied to two universities in Poland, Wurz and uh, Wrocław, and he got into both of them with his 2019 leaving search results. Because 2020, being the year it was, the results weren't going to be out until September. Okay, okay. And so the 19 so ones did. Was he accepted? He was. He was accepted into both universities. Okay. And um, he kind of researched them and got advice. And he went to Wrocław. 
And so we delivered him over in September um, 2020. And, you know, it was just heartbreaking to be leaving him there. But he did get a place in the Royal College of Surgeons Dublin for pharmacy. But again, he just said, no, it's medicine I want. Okay. And I suppose the one thing, when we went to all the open days in the universities, the one thing that struck us was, say, for the Royal College of Surgeons, they have so many places for international students, um, which would be the majority of places, and then the rest of the places are for European students, and that includes Ireland. Oh, right. So we're not prioritised then? No. Okay, no. and you're critical um, of that. You're saying the amount of places kept for students from other countries is too high. I think it is. Now, I know it's... Look, my son is in Poland, and people could argue, well, look, you're doing the same thing there. Um, obviously, the fees are higher, and, you know, that's how the universities and colleges make money as well, I presume. But... Um, I'm just wondering how many of those international students actually stay on to practice medicine in Ireland. I don't know. I wouldn't imagine. I don't think it would be the lion's share of them anyway. I don't think so. And that was one of the things, you know, as I say, when we went to the universities and you you just felt it was all stacked against the the Irish students. I know. um, Between the HPAT, obviously, and lack of places. How will well. he okay, how will he deal with the language barrier as a med student in Poland? So uh, basically he's obviously doing it through English, but they have to take Polish classes okay. and they have exams in in Polish obviously because right. when he goes on the wards they're going to have to have a standard of Polish. I understand. And you, you actually, just with regards to the wards, you say in your text, I know people who fly through exams but can't mm. handle the wards because they're not people persons. That's exactly it. Um, the amount of people that um, the exams are no problem to them, but when they actually come to working in the hospitals, they just realise, no, this, you know, that it just is that side of it isn't for them. You know, so... What do they do? Um, they go in then, mainly um, anyone I know, they would have gone into maybe clinical trials and research and things like that, that it would be more lab-based rather than people-based. Go away. Yeah, so and actually the HPAT is to make sure that, well, one of the parts of the HPAT is to make sure um, that you would be able, you know, to deal with But if public. your lad failed that twice, no disrespect mm. now, how do you know mm. that when he qualifies as a doctor that he won't be able to handle awards? Um, well, because he's in Poland um, last year, um, because of COVID, he couldn't do his experience here in Ireland. And he actually um, was working in the hospital in Poland and he absolutely loved it. And he that answers my lucky. question then, yeah. Yeah, with the Hope Foundation as well, he actually went to... Um, Kolkata in India and he was you know around um, the hospitals and the homes there and that's when it just really made up his mind yes this is what I want to do and finally when he comes back or will he come back and practice here or what um, at the moment um, he's, he's just finishing up second year and he said he doesn't actually know he may decide to travel he may decide to do a year in Poland um, or Germany, mm. um, he hasn't fully made up his mind yet. But 
Um, there's obviously plenty of work here if he does want to come back. Yeah, but it's about quality of life and stress and anxiety in the workplace. Um, that's what medical that's professionals... Would you think you're going to Australia? Many have gone to Australia. Many have gone to Australia. And actually, he was talking about Canada as well. There are some students there from Canada. Well, they're from all over Europe and all over the world. They're going and, to go home, are they? Um, some will, but some, I think, are debating maybe staying on for a year or so and just to see what they actually want to maybe qualify or specialise in as time goes on. Okay, okay. Delighted that things are working out for him, Kate. Thanks so much they, for uh, sharing that. Do stay in touch. Let us know how things go for your son. What's his name? Paul Meehan. Paul in Poland. Cheers for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Text 0868104106. They've had years to fix the Irish health system. Remember, we were locked down for two years because our health system, our healthcare system couldn't handle it. And surprise, surprise, nothing has changed. They are taking in 100,000 Ukraines. By the way, nothing against Ukraines. But doesn't that just add more pressure to our healthcare system? I'm so sick of this always being one of Ireland's major problems. You go anywhere else and they have a better healthcare system than we do. It's an empty hospital up in Sarsfield Court. Could this not be used anytime soon? One of the reasons why we have no staff is because you get paid better everywhere else. Better money and better conditions. Why would you come back? The whole system needs to be scrapped and started again. Remember this when we have to vote instead of voting for the same gangsters again. We never get any change. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Tell me, talk some more about people in pain. Anne, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. So your son, uh, adult son, is five years. Yeah, I know. I know it's the mummy. It's the mummy that's ringing because he's on nights and he's in bed. Well, people need to hear but, these um, stories because we need to know the kind of country that we're running in and who's yes. running it. Go ahead. He he initially went to a private dentist twice, and because of abscesses, infections, and all the rest of it, they referred him on to Finbar's. Five years ago. Okay. Was there any particular reason why they didn't do all the work? You don't know? They couldn't do it. They okay. said it was too complicated. They, okay. He needs to have basically all of his teeth removed. My God, Some why? Of them now, sorry? Why? Because he kept getting infections okay. and whatnot in okay. his mouth. Okay. And they kept treating him for abscesses and they kept doing fillings and things like this. Eventually all the teeth are broken. You know? And, and so he, he did that and was referred to Finbars five years ago, is it? Yeah. Okay, and he... He was referred five years ago. He keeps getting an odd letter from them asking him does he still want treatment? So he sends the letters back to say, yes, please. He's had one phone call to say he's on the waiting list. And this is ongoing for five years. And has anybody ever seen him? Any consultation? No. No. Nothing? I mean, he's never walked through the door of the clinic or anything? Nothing? Nothing. When, um, When his wife was had dental problems and she was referred to CUH Dental 
but she paid for hers. And uh, he asked in CUH, because that's where he was originally referred to, and they said no, because he had the medical card because of health issues. Right. He had the medical card, and then... So somebody with a medical card... He had been referred to Finbar. So somebody with a medical card, right, who is beyond living with the pain, can't say, I'll take out a credit union loan. No, they'll say, no, you have a medical card, you have to stick with the that. The dentist, no, you've got it wrong. Have I? We will take out a credit union loan. I will actually pay for it myself. No, why? my but point no is... One, yeah. no one will do it. No private dentist will do it. We have tried two, and no private dentist will do it. Why? Because it's he too needs, big. He needs his gums cutting okay. and he needs. Okay. okay. They were, a private dentist won't do it. We're not looking to have it done under a medical card, basically. So now we have. T- okay, it. fair enough. Oh, well, I won't dwell on that. But we have two different dental clinics now, you're telling me. One in the CUH and one in Finbar's. Is it Finbar's children or what? What's the difference between the two? No, 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 no. The difference here is because. He was getting his done under the medical card. Yeah. They referred him from CUH okay. to Finbar. So he's five years now in pain, is he? He's only he's in agony. I mean, I know he's a grown man and all the rest of it, and you're saying, oh, the mammy, the mammy, the mammy. But when you see somebody that can only eat soft foods and you see somebody that is going to work in absolute agony, pumped up with painkillers to relieve the pain. And, I mean, that poor child waiting a year. You know, that is awful to leave a little child wait a whole year for yeah, treatment. Yeah, but that doesn't but take away from his pain. when you get adults as well that are waiting five years for treatment. And the only thing that he gets is the odd letter from the clinic saying, do you still want help? That's it. Yeah, yeah. They want to knock him off the list, if possible, kind of thing. Well, they do, yeah, because they've left it so long, so long, so long. I've had it myself with appointments in different areas. Why has he waited so long? I mean, did you ever... I mean, what about overseas? No, if you were to take out a credit union loan, you can't be waiting on the Irish system. Five years in pain. Do you know, I'm being honest about it, Neil, to be honest. We have never thought about okay. going abroad. Okay. It's, Okay. We haven't we haven't thought about it. He has a full time job, he's working. We haven't thought about going abroad. We have made no inquiries about going abroad, to be honest with you. But all I'm just saying is a five year waiting list to get your teeth done. But that's where we're at now, people getting on planes to go overseas, you see, to get work done. Like um, we all know about the look, cataract and the I'm hip buses to Northern with Ireland. you. I'm not saying anything, I mean, I'm just saying, because you were on about the dental areas and whatnot, I'm just pointing out that an adult is waiting five no, years I understand. for dental I'm treatment. Totally on your side, I empathise with what you're going through and your, and your son as well. What I'm saying is, people need to realise that people are now getting on aeroplanes. It's that bad. That's the point I'm making. They are so desperate. You can't be waiting five years and the only thing you get is, do you still want us to help you or can we knock you off the list? 
That's broken. Is there any of the, you know, the, the, the cross-border healthcare directive? Are you aware of that? It covers, I know it no. definitely covers cataracts and it covers hips and knees. If you can't get work done in Ireland, you can get work done in another country and it's paid for by the state. Does that cover dental? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. I know about it for knees and hips and whatnot yeah. because I was going to go down that route for a knee replacement. But luckily, after three years, I managed to get one, you know. So he's pumped up with painkillers every day. Can only eat very well, most, soft food. Most, mostly every day, yeah. He keeps getting letters five years on wondering if he still needs care. Mother of God. It's a scandal. Yeah, but I mean, I'm being honest, we hadn't thought about going abroad. It has never been discussed or anything. I did offer to pay for private treatment in Ireland for him. We were going to pay for it ourselves. But to be told by two different private dentists that I know. it's yeah. too big a job that they just could not put him under general anaesthetic for that length of time yeah, to yeah. do the treatment that is needed. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll drill in a little bit more into the uh, cross-border healthcare directive, which uh, allows you to get work done overseas and see if it's still... Um... Yeah, I didn't know anything about that, to be honest. Okay. Um, and also, if you want details of overseas, overseas clinics for dental, I could give you the clinic that um, Jamie brought his three-and-a-half-year-old to in Krakow, in Poland. Sorry, I'm just... Uh, Krakow. Yeah, it's HLP Dental Clinic. HLP. I'm just giving you options hey. here, you know. Oh, no, I mean, appreciate it. Yeah. We just had never thought about going Oh, abroad. sure, I know. It's, just, it's a, it's a well, very at sad the moment scenario. He, at the moment, he has no passport anyway, so he can't go well, abroad. He'll be waiting for one. that as well, misfortune. It's a, it's a catastrophe for you, Anne. Thanks for sharing the story nonetheless. I hope it gets sorted, but five years on a waiting list and then just to be getting reminders, not even remembers, reminders. They have no problem sending out the letters wondering, do you still want to stay on the list, do they? There is confusion over the cross-border initiative, I think, isn't there? Um, because of the changes with regards to Brexit. Might be interesting if we could clarify that as to whether it's still available. Uh, anyway, let me stay with the phone lines, if you don't mind. Carol, good morning. Good morning. You've been listening this morning and you have a story to share. Go ahead. I have. Um, so my daughter, it would have been 2019, December 2019. She came home with a headache um, and went to bed. The following day, she woke up and she had a stiff neck. The light was hurting her eyes and her head was really sore. So I panicked. The first thing I thought was meningitis. Got straight into... You would think heart. that. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. but... You know, there's signs of it. Straight into the mercy, um, we were there for 12 hours to be told it's migraine. She's a teenager now when these things will start to happen. Okay, no problem. So two days later, um, she starts to get double vision. And you heard the salpidine call from the mercy where it turned out to be meningitis and potential organ yeah. failure. And, yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. So... Sorry, what were you just saying? What happened next? Two days later, she got, she had double vision. Right. Now, she still had the headache. So instead of going straight into the accident emergency, because they do appreciate they're busy. I mean, they are. They ran off their feet in there. I went to South Dock. The doctor looked at her. He said, no, she needs to go straight back into A&E. Went in. Did you ask him why? Did you ask him or her why? So 
at the time he just said, look, a headache that's, that's going on this, this length of time, you know, that needs to be looked into. Um, and he said the double vision, oh, I'm not comfortable with that either. She needs to be seen. Okay. Went back in and it was a different doctor that seen her. Um, and he said, you know, your daughter's actually pulling a muscle in her neck because she was vomiting with the headache. Um, she's actually pulling a muscle in her neck. She will be fine in a few days. I'll give her dicey. So that to me didn't sound right. A pulled muscle. How could you have double vision with a pulled muscle in your neck? Now, at the time, she also had no reflexes. So when they were hitting her knees, she had no reflexes. And the doctor said, look, oh, teenagers nowadays, they don't know how to relax. I didn't think anything of it at the time. That's amazing, because another call earlier on also put it down to anxiety and stress, and it wasn't, yeah. Yeah. You know, they were asking me, is she under a lot of pressure? Yeah. She was in first year. I said, no, not really. My daughter is as laid back as they come. So I just suggested, I said, look, is there any chance maybe you could do a CT scan? You know, because at the stage I was getting worried. Um, Her eyes starting to turn in, yeah, double vision, yeah. I knew there was something wrong. And he just said, oh, you must be a very overprotective mother. So I, <sighs> I can hear the bomb like, going off there. Yeah. So I got the prescription for the diving, came home. This wasn't sitting right. Oh, you didn't react uh, to that comment about being an overprotective mother, no? I mean, what can you say to that? It would be worse if they were saying, oh, you know, you're not good enough. <laughs> what could you say? I was, I was faced with this doctor who was telling me, you know, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. Go home. So, and I suppose maybe I was too quiet. Now looking back on what my daughter suffered, I was too quiet. Okay, go ahead. So, the following day I bumped into the original doctor who seen her. Um, he was doing a school shop, I was doing my food shop. And I explained to him that I was really concerned with my daughter. So, that morning, before I went out, I was talking to my daughter. And it looked to me like her eye was starting to slightly turn in. So, this was the 23rd of December. And I was kind of going, okay... Am I imagining this now? Like, no, no, no. And I was asking my husband, and he was like, okay, I can't see this. So I said, look, okay, I'll just keep an eye on her. Bumped into the doctor, and he was like, all right, okay, I'm going to say this to, I would have presumed, say, a higher pediatrician than him in the mercy. He rang me, Christmas Eve, to say she thought that that was completely normal. Teenagers and hormones, and that she would be fine, and that they would send me a letter in the post for her to be seen in their clinic, Two months later. Right. So I went, okay. Two months. Okay. Yeah. Two months later. I was like, okay, relax. Christmas morning, I knew then there was something majorly wrong. It was her first time getting a mobile phone and it would have been the newest iPhone out at the time. She got out of bed, looked at the phone and went, oh, that's lovely. I went straight back up to bed. She couldn't even eat her Christmas dinner. The following day, I just walked straight into the bonds with her. And they were, you know, you can't come in here, you need a letter. I said, I have private health insurance and I'm not leaving. My daughter is severely sick, she needs to be seen. In fairness to them, they saved her life. So within two days, she couldn't walk. Um, she couldn't sit up. The pressure on her brain was so great, she had fluid on her brain. And what it was, so all the signs were actually there that she had Miller-Fisher syndrome. What's that? So what it is, um, it's your immune system attacks the protein covered around your nerves and then that builds up in your spinal fluid and it prevents your spinal fluid flowing properly. So it was gathering on her brain. Gotcha. Thank you. Gotcha. So, then so the bonds picked that brain. up, did they? Yeah. 
within two days. Like, they were severely concerned. The first night I got in there, when they brought her straight down, they were putting in a drip. She was asleep. She didn't even wake up when they were putting in the drip. And the doctor said it to me. He was like, how has your daughter got this sick? And I explained to him, and he was like, oh, okay. I'm going to ring and see what test they done. All they done was a blood test, um, which didn't really show anything at the time. Okay, well, we've heard them. We've heard your 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 stories from the mercy up until it was all the mercy up until now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Um, you you said she nearly died. Yeah, the the fluid on her brain was so great, it could have killed her. So if we hadn't done anything about it and just you know said okay, this headache will go away, she'd be fine. It would have killed her. Um, you could have gone into wake her of a morning, and she's. Uh, and that's what the yeah. doctor who was treating her she said. Did you really? Sorry? What, was it he or she, the doctor? Um, a lady doctor. Did she actually say um, that, yeah? Yeah, she did. Um, and even the doctor that treated her the first night she came in. Now my daughter was in and out of the band for four months. Um, and he actually said it. He was like, your daughter was so, so ill. Like her eyes weren't even reacting to the light. Um, there was that much pressure on her brain. Um, so, like, within two days she couldn't walk. So my daughter... You know, she was 12 at the time, nearly 13. I would have to bring her into the bathroom. I would have to stand in the shower with her. It, she got that sick. Um, and what progressed then from that was the fluid kept building up and they didn't know why. So she had to go to Temple Street. Again, the whole story was, well, why wasn't she treated for this initially? Because it would have stopped just getting this bad. So she could have been put on this strip their immunoglobulins so what the body does is it attacks immunoglobulins gives your immune system time to repair itself okay. and, and, and I won't dwell on that by virtue of time that I've left but that's yeah. uh, that's the medical intervention so, but the, between the bonds and, the, and Temple Street is she, yeah. is, she, is she okay now? So the outcome of it and we are very lucky the way she has uh, recovered because they didn't know um, so she still has no reflexes which isn't a major thing compared to what could have been. Um, and she's severely colorblind. That was what happened because the pressure was so great at the back of her eyes. It damaged them. So, so she's severely colorblind. Um, so she's actually currently sitting her junior cert. So she can't see graphs. Um, or even if she's in school, she can't see the whiteboard. She can't see any writing on the but whiteboard. Will that improve? No. Okay. Um, okay. That, that is a long-term issue. And what, would you put, what would you put down the treatment at the in the Cork Public Hospitals too, in your case, the Mercy, are they... Horrific. No, but why? why? I mean, I felt like I was really dismissed. I think they, they were so busy, they didn't have the time. This doctor was running in between all these... See what I mean? So they're, they're bound to they be missing things because of the stress, so the pressure. they're making mistakes. Yeah, there and you this are. was a major mistake. My daughter could have died from mistakes this. Mistakes are being... Serious mistakes are being made. I bet you there's people listening to us who serious. lost loved ones because of ser- stories like this. Exactly. Never and mind like, your close call. You shouldn't have to have private health insurance in this country to be treated realistically if you're severely sick. And that seems to be the thing now that people have to go private when they're sick, which is disgraceful. Not everyone can afford private health insurance. Okay. okay. Um, so we were just lucky with our daughter. We were extremely lucky with our daughter that she recovered as well as she did. But it's thanks to the bonds. And when my daughter was in temperature, she actually had to have a probe placed in her brain. Okay, I won't, but I don't have time for the medical interventions, just the um, entire story itself. She was supposed to be seen in the clinic in the Mercy and they rang me to say why my daughter wasn't there. And I explained to them, my daughter is severely sick in Temple Street. Yeah. No thanks, G. Yeah, okay, okay. 
Thanks, Carol. Thank you so much. Back after 11, text 0868104106. If you have a story to share, incidentally, you don't wish to come on air, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Alright, uh, free food Friday as well So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 It'll feed 15 of you or more Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool So some more shout outs for you To everybody working at the Glen Heights Pharmacy Including Alison and Ava, Grace and Hilda Aramat, Ar- Arima Connect in Blackpool Everybody EBO Home Rescue in the Marina Commercial Park Lehan Motors, morning to Arthur and all of the gang, uh, everybody working at BCE, Consulting Engineers of the Marina. Uh, shout out for everybody at MJ Flood Little Island, to all of the gang at the House of Hare and Kinsale, the Dental Hospital as well. And we've been talking about dental hospitals this morning and dental clinics. Joe Crowley Oils are listening this morning. Rath Beacon Far Places, Hollywood Industrial Estate, always listening. Morning to Nicholas. Impact, Ar- Impact Ireland Metals in Glanmire, the Heart and Vascular Department of the Matter Private. Love some food today. They're celebrating a birthday down there to the Staff at Acorn Blinds, Phelan Pharmacy on Baker's Road, Cross Refrigeration, South Infirmary Porters, O'Keefe's Shop in Black, in, um, that's up around, yeah, St. Luke's, uh, the Colorist Salon on Shandon Street, working hard all day, Unified Packaging in Carrick Tool, uh, GRP Roofing Supplies are listening in the Tremor Commercial Park and the Tremor Road, everybody at Mixed Ability Rugby, uh, there's big rugby games going on all this weekend, Pro Valet, Valet in Maham Point, Bowdrin and Ahern Foods, Claro Pharmacy, in Claro itself and Balafihan Healthcare. I'll do another bunch of shout outs in about 20 minutes time so it allows you an opportunity now to text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 and we'll do some more shout outs. It'll feed 15 of him. Starters, main courses and desserts to get in touch. Lovely photographs making the front of the papers today uh, of Mary Crilly yesterday receiving the freedom of the city and well, well deserved. Mary though apparently was there to watch or at least was passing and she says, I was passing City Hall yesterday and to stop and stopped to see what was happening when I saw a TV crew and photographers. I then remembered it was the Freedom of the City Award for Mary Crilly, which was truly deserved. So then I and others stood around and waited for her to arrive. A few minutes later, this long stretch Mercedes pulled up and to my surprise, out popped the CEO of Cork City Council. I was genuinely surprised to see this, given the fact that the CEO is encouraging people to use public transport or bicycles. Uh, they also have greatly reduced the number of parking spaces in the city. And here they are arriving in a chauffeur-driven limousine. Don't you think that's sending out the wrong message? I would love if you could get them on to explain why taxpayers' money is being spent shipping city officials around the city in a limousine, uh, says Mary. Love the show. Well, I don't know where they were coming from or going to. You're suggesting that the uh, city officials should be arriving on a push bike. Um, I know what you're saying, though. From the point of view of optics, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. That's City Council for you. Meanwhile, I want to say thank you to Cork County Council because we got in touch with them like we did last year. And we said, lads, is there any chance you might give us some passes to give away for some of the fantastic tourist attractions right across the county? And they said, we would be delighted. And they've already told me that they're guaranteeing me in the coming weeks uh, family passes to give away. If you're going for a day trip, 
afford to put petrol or diesel in the car and you're going for a day trip, then we have some wonderful ideas for you. I'll tell you more about them last week. There are so many places that you can visit. But uh, County Council have come back already and said, yeah, we'll square you away from Michael Collins' house, Spike Island, Camden Fort Mar, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Yall Clock Gate Tower, Voices of the St. Mary's Tour at St. Mary's Collegiate Church in Yaw, which is absolutely stunning in itself to visit. Stunning. Um, and that's courtesy of Cork County Council. Listen, if you are making plans across the summer, there is a fantastic app that I keep on getting drawn back to, to check in on again and again. I just love the city and the county. It's called Explore Cork App. It's a fantastic app for our city and our county. It will tell you everything that's available where to go, opening times, everything you need to know about every single tourist attraction that we have in the county of Cork. It's called Explore Explore Cork. You just got to check that out. Okay, so more on that next week with all the things you can do. If you are a tourist attraction, incidentally, listening to me, wherever you may be, and you would like to get involved in this initiative and you want maybe to provide us with some family passes to give away, email me, please. Email neil at redfm.ie. I'm very happy to give you a big shout out and give away family passes across the summer. Right, um, let me get a call on, lads, if you don't mind, and then we'll take an ad break and blast away until until midday. I want to chat with Joe Byrne, regular contributor to this program, just a damn nice guy, and he's got Joe's hair salon. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Glad I've had a few minutes, okay? Sorry, Neil, i just say goodbye. Put down, the, put down the tongs or the scissors. Or whatever I'm just you putting down the scissors on Gladys. Put Gladys, get some off. All right. Anyway, put, put down the peroxide or wherever it is you use. I wonder, I just wanted to catch up on with you, right? Because I love chatting with regulars from time to time. I read out and just I love at the st- with you too, Neil. And why wouldn't you? You have good taste, Joe. Well, you know, we at the start of the leaving certificate, I read this out, you know, which is something that a principal in Singapore sent out to parents. I won't go into it in too much detail, but what he was saying is, um, please remember that not all students do well in exams. And, you know, amongst the students who will be sitting the exams will be an artist who doesn't need maths, an entrepreneur who doesn't give a damn about history or English, a musician who doesn't care about chemistry, an athlete who doesn't care about physics. You know, if your child gets tops mark, well and good. But if not, don't take away their confidence. You know, uh, they're cut out for much bigger things in life. No matter what they score an exam, love them, don't judge them. Um, one exam or a low mark won't take away their dreams or talent. Now, that might sound a little bit condescending, because exams really do count, but they shouldn't define the person, right? You wanted to pick up on that. Absolutely, Neil, because when I was when I was going to school, I left at 15 because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a hairdresser, and I knew in school I was very artistic at art and all that. But when it came to maths and things like that, I was a disaster. Right. So I actually didn't do junior self or anything, Neil, you know what I mean? I went off did what I wanted to do. But how were your folks about that, about the the, the, oh, inter, the intercert? Oh, my, mother, my mother closed me into the room and I got a clatter from my brothers every time they saw me because they were breaking my mother's heart. First of all, being a hairdresser, that was, that was a huge disgrace anyway. Why and though, Joe? Thing, Why? I actually can't have back in 19... Oh, I was born in 96, so I would have been 1975, 1974. Yeah. Like, I mean, male hairdressers at that time was, you know, you'd have to be in London or up in Dublin or somewhere like that now, so I was from the back of the beyond in Tipperary. You know, it was just the way it was thing. back then, yeah. Know, certainly yeah, in rural Ireland, right? Before, I was saying before, Nietzsche, my brothers was always introducing me as a barber, not as a hairdresser. So they were mortified, and your mother was what? Like, mm-hmm. disappointed. See, my mother didn't mind, but my mother, I was young as a seven, so they always say, Joe is the one who'll go to college now, and 
he'll become this or that or the other. So I was useless in school. And I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew I certainly wasn't good at math, science, anything like that. I was great at math and I was great yeah. at personality. I was very popular in school, but I was, academically I was, I was shocking. But my point is that you don't need it. If, if you, boys, if you want to be a medic or you want to something like that, of course you do. But parents don't worry about kids going off doing the leaving cert. If they're happy being a mechanic, electrician, um, hairdresser, beautician, you know what I mean? What did you and do at 15, though? So you came out with no intercert. What, what was your next move? My next move was to go as a trainee, earn £4 a week as a hairdresser up in Dublin. Broke my mother's heart again. I'd gone off. Remember, she saw me off the bus. Remember, saying if she rides at a hundred fifty, it's called a flying fanny. It's cool, right? Anyway, that's another story. Anyway, yeah, that's the colour of my mother, flying fanny in school. She'd come up and to pick me up from school sometimes just to drive me mad because I'd get the school bus and the kids said, how's flying fanny when they're going to school the next day? So you're above in Dublin anyway, on four euro a week. How did you survive? Is it? Where'd you live? Didn't, didn't. I just had lodgings out in Dean's Grange and at that time that covered and then I survived on tips and my brothers sending me money. I used to have to write them because we didn't have any phone or anything at home. Or if I wanted to you used to write begging and, letters to your brothers for money, is it? And St. Anthony, I used to be constantly praying to... I would say that to you one of them because, anyway, <laughs> my own charm... Okay, oh, do you uh, find a fiver on the street or something? I, yeah, and I'd be getting grand tips and I'd be adding them all up. But the whole point is, though, you don't, you shouldn't stress. I know some kids need to go to college and want to go to college, but those who don't, shouldn't stress. There is opportunities out there. If they want to work with their hands, it's brilliant. You know what I mean? There's no... Oh, sure. I, listen, there, there's colleges are full of people, of kids that don't know what they're doing. You know, they don't know the course that they want to do and they don't like the courses that they're in and a lot of them are forced into it by their parents. When did you decide and, then to go out on your own? At 25, I came back from London and I opened up in Cork at April the 2nd. I wouldn't open the first because Fool's Day, April 2nd, 1985. You're crazy. I know, that was my thinking, Neil. And I never, I said I tried out for two years and I never, never looked back. And actually, the people of Cork are my home now, so I'm, I'm a Cork man, true and true. Since Bush. Neil, um, there is there is there is kids coming to me here in the Kisala, and those mothers are hoping that the child do well and leave. So, so I don't want to be going to college. When they go to college, to do a course that they'll never ever use, like hundred percent agree with you. Things like this, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, they were way out there, and I know people, and I have relatives that did, you know, psychology and all this, and get four years, and sure they're not doing it all. They go after and do nails or beautician or something else. What something they really want. You know? Yeah. Follow your dream. Your I know it sounds like a cliche though, but if you if if but you know, there's an element of looking that too. Follow, finding something that you love to do and to be paid for it. That you know, that's that's hard to achieve. Neil, I do two days a week only. I do Thursday and Friday, right? And by Thursday morning I'd be excited coming to work. I actually love it. I'm inside now. One of the girls I'm talking to me at the moment because I thought that she was too slow today. So she <laughs> you can't be saying so that. You know that. She, do, she doesn't want to see me for the rest of the day. Have you a HR department up, you know, that she can report you to? Oh, no, Darren, no, maybe, no, is there's it? No, there's, no, there's no PC in here at all. <laughs> but you know, Neil, you know what it was like years ago when we were kids? If, if you had farmers, things like that, there was always somebody got the farm, someone else got something else, and the son was a priest. They went into the priest to please the parents. Yeah, yeah. And that's like sometimes going after college and things like that. Then the mental parents are gone. They're gone. They're doing what they want. They're living their dream. 
Oh, listen, I know it. Like yeah, the that. first got the farm. Another might have gone into the priesthood. Others went into the civil service. Others became yeah, teachers. They might not wanted to be any of those things. And then if you're the youngest of seven, you went into the hairdressing. Because <laughs> 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 murdered all the Was it murder in the early days? We'd be firing scissors at you and brushes and things. Oh, Neil, my, my first job was cleaning. Toilets, stairs, going after the shops, getting stuff. I was like a skibby. And then eventually went out loud shampoo, which is totally different now. Mother God, if you said to the girls what they said to me years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's You'll be totally up before a tribunal, Joe. But you know what I mean? We trained on the floor, though. We trained well. We get four or five years training. You know what I mean? There was no such thing. Now girls come into me, oh, I've been to college for uh, college of hairdressers for a year and qualified. There's no way. There's no way you can deal with the public and deal with people, you know what I mean? I know, I know. I know. Now, because, uh, Neil, I'm going to go back go to on, the Nikki's upstairs, upstairs, upstairs sulking because I said it's too slow today. Would you so just go up and apologise to Nikki, would you no. please? Oh, no, that'll keep her going now. For the day. Well, I'll apologise on your behalf. Take no notice of him, Nikki. <laughs> He's a dinosaur. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Bye. Bye. Joe, take care. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Ah, yes. It's always good to hear apprenticeship programs, though. They are happening, and I'd love to hear more of them. Like Seamus was telling me and gave me a print off of Eli Lilly down in Kinsale, who have an apprenticeship program in different trades, mechanical, automation, manufacturing fitters, electrical, instrumentation, craftsperson. Now, you need the old maths in a technical subject, but they are taking on apprenticeships for their apprenticeship program, which is great down there. And recently, I saw a fantastic initiative uh, at Pubble Skull uh, na Trinoida in Yall. Um, they have just opened a hair and beauty salon for their Leaving Cert applied students. That's another fantastic idea. Thinking differently, thinking ahead, giving people more opportunities in life. Because I can tell you one thing, college ain't for everyone. You know, we were talking and chatting with Joe there. I don't know whether Joe has any of these um, absent-minded things that uh, we forget. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting that little bit older. People of all ages get absent-minded. And the more time you spend on screens... And on your mobile phone, uh, the more your memory will slip and you're not using the brain as much as you should be. So we mentioned earlier on with Lana from this research that's out this morning, some of the more common things like, you know, not knowing or forgetting a partner's phone number. An awful lot of people are like that. I mean, you know, there's only, I mean, I only know two or three numbers, my son, my daughter and my wife's probably none besides that. My own, I guess. Uh, but others wouldn't even know those ones. So that'd be some of them. Others then was, you know, you go into a car park or whatever, you don't know where you parked the car. Now it's bad. I mean, if, I don't know about on-street parking. That's very bad if you can't remember what street you parked your car on. But we can kind of half understand not knowing what floor you parked it, because that happens to all of us. So another few then, you go into a room to get something. You go upstairs and you can't say, say what did I come up here for again? I mean, that, that does happen to me. Uh, other things. One of the things that happens to me all the time, all of the time, is I'm forgetting passwords. Because I have so many. Why can't we just have one password for everything? Does anybody know if there's anything out there where I can just change every password in my life to just the same one? Or I could use my eye or my fingerprint or something rather than all of these different passwords. I'm forever sending off for new passwords. I'm always clicking the forgotten password button. There's other ones then that they talk about. What day of the week it is. Now, I pretty much always know that what that is. Not forgetting to bring plastic bags to the supermarket. <laughs> Stuff like that. But passwords is the one that absolutely jumps out. Anyway, food for thought. Think about it yourself. There's a big long list. They, t- they say in total, they put a number on it, we forget 1,095 things a year. Absent-minded. 
1095. Uh, some would say that a paper never refused ink. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Now, la- this time last week, around about this time last week, I was uh, just telling you all about the upcoming party event that was happening down at the Middleton Farmers Market that were celebrating a big milestone birthday. 22 years, I think. I think it might, maybe they wanted to do something on their 20th and it got delayed a bit because of COVID. But they had a massive celebratory event last weekend. Live music. People got to sample all of the food. There was face painting. There was live bands. There was a huge amount of stalls there. They say it was the very first and that everybody followed. I thought it'd be a good idea for Seamus to go down there and just to catch up and soak up the atmosphere from the events down in Middleton because we're mad keen over the summer to get out and visit as many places as we can. So this is the Middleton Farmer's Market last Saturday morning. It's a, it's a real social occasion. I've been coming here every Saturday for the last 20 years. I moved to the locality and I just love the market, you know. So forest. you've seen it grow over the years? Oh, I have, yeah. yeah. It's grown immensely. It's great for families. It's great for kids. It's a lovely atmosphere. There's music. Uh, the vendors are great by and large. Uh, so it's, it's really good, you Because know? Like, what I find is like it's overcast here. It's been kind of a, a, a raining slightly all morning, but still we've got a great crowd. Oh yeah, and sure it'll be busier in an hour, like this is still early, you know, and then around midday it's very, very busy, the pizzas are flying, people are hanging out in the park, there's a kind of a festive atmosphere, particularly over the summer months, so it's it's a win-win for everyone really, you know. What's the first thing you do when you get here? We go to the fish stall, but he's not there today, and we go around in and we get uh, the jam, the homemade jam, and we get the homemade veg here. You know, I get the honey over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's a lovely market. It's cheap as yeah. well. Like, you'd think it'd be there, like, yeah. being a market, like, but this stuff is cheap enough. I mean, you're going in there to the supermarket, you're buying inside in plastic bags. And you, uh, I mean, carrots. A lot of the stuff in the supermarket is frozen for and then there's no taste of it like you look at the carrots car- sometimes inside the shops and they're like the furry coats on them and they don't last either they don't last. Days and it's, it's turning black we regularly come down for the coffee um, and some of the um, uh, breakfast spots as well so Annie's and uh, Woodside we come for the crack and we end up buying food genuinely we're coming here we're coming here it used to be across the way here yeah. And we're coming here for as long as that because my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, was living in Little Island. Okay. And the crack was, we was come down, Nora was plagarded, we was come down here and we'd go, we'd buy all the food in the market, myself and mother-in-law, and then we'd go into Aldi and that to get the other bits and pieces. So she said, sure, this is crazy, like, you're at the two extremes type of thing. We know a lot of them now, just some talking to them over the years. I get my bread and I get my vegetables over here, my lovely organic vegetables, yeah. And I love, I love the buzz in this, in this. Um, in this market you know it's just as good as anyone in France you know again it's back to the authenticity to be able to actually meet your producer to know where your food comes from and as we're experiencing most things now in life that's what you have to do you have to know where it comes from to actually trust and know the providence and to know what's in it and uh, to feel okay with it and you know the veg then from Dave Barry was just oh, picked this morning because that's, the, that's right it's and the he'll freshest tell you, you like. can get <laughs> that's right you'll, you'll, you'll learn all that you'll learn to 
is fizzy with all the salads, how she makes all the stuff. Christian with the cheeses, he'll give you a story about one of the, the cheese producers. What's the story, if there's a certain taste, if it's not as ripe as normal, there will be a backstory. And when you're sitting down at home then eating that, that's an experience. Barry Albers arrives late and then he's sitting up there, but it's really serious. He, he's actually a pusher because he gives you small little bits of patty to get you addicted and then sure you're hooked. And like you're the lobster man here, is what what are you selling here in the market? I'm selling live lobsters and I'm doing um, lobster rolls. And would you get much customers for, for the lobster? That, that's an expensive commodity, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It's only gone very expensive at the moment. And after a while, I do the, the, best, the best half butter lobster roll. We have the uh, free range pigs that we breed and rear on the farm. And uh, yeah, so we sell um, the raw meat joined sausages, rashers, and then we cook the rashers and sausages as well. And what did I see beef burgers here as well? And yeah, we have our own beef then as well that we, uh, every so often we kill a heifer and we sell fresh beef like once a month or so and it's uh, hung for over 30 days and then we sell the burgers here then cooked as well at the stall. This Middleton market has been held in very high regard. Um, because it's mainly producers market and we try and emphasise that people are from, most people are from the local area and uh, people are producing their own food and selling to the local people. So like the slogan for Middleton Farmers Market is local food for local people. So the quality. Yeah, yeah. The quality absolutely. will always win out in freshness. Yeah. And that's why people come back every week. I mean, what are you doing here now? You're I'm buying fresh carrots. Two bunches. You can tell they're fresh now because they're only pulled this morning, look. I can, yeah. The green is still fresh in them. Would you like a bag one? No, thanks. Is this the first stall you come to every week? No, they count the door there because he's a farmer. They never, have, they never have any money. Ask him what, how many acres he has. Uh, he just doesn't know really because, you know... It's a small one. I know a lot of it is ditches. <laughs> Dave, you're not here from day one, so according to himself. I'm here from the start and glad to be coming here. Why is well, that? Well, only furniture. I mean, I, I'd have had to stop farming 20 years ago. There was no... I wasn't getting paid from the wholesalers or... So at least I got a, an outlet here. Yeah. And uh, I was able to change. I was growing just maybe two. I was growing an awful lot of cauliflower and a lot of potatoes. But uh, I went back to growing a bit of everything. Yeah, so if something goes like wrong, it's not all gone. Yeah. Now, what do we have here now this morning that you're, you're well, offering? You're, you're at the start of the season now. I have new season potatoes, new season carrots, a bit of kale will be gone. But like a few weeks now, I'll have everything. I'll have... Um, I have new season beetroot, new swedes, new cabbages, cauliflowers, broccoli. I might have proper sprouting next week even. You know? I've been a baker for 14 years, but only a, uh, a gluten-free baker for 10 years. Okay. And actually, I always wanted to be at the market, but um, back in the days, Mm, it was uh, something about numbers and whatever and uh, safety and all that and yeah. it was like no and there's enough bakers and, and then I for two years I had a wee little bakery 
in Middleton and then I had to close it down because it wasn't working out. And one of my customers was Ted Murphy's. Okay. And Ted, when, when he learned that I was closing the little bakery, he said to me, right, he said, we haven't had a gluten-free baker at the market for three months. I want you there, not next week, but the week after. Okay, and he kicked off from there. Free stuff. And he just threw me in there and he just picked up from there. And like, you're, you're doing great business here. It's all about my personality. Well, that too, and, 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 and the cakes. I'm not gluten-free, but my wife is, and like, they're amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about the Ballon Roasted Cheese, how, how it all began? Well, it started with a small little pan of 50 litres and uh, turned into a bigger business than now we're doing 600 to 50 litres at a time. Yeah, so it, uh, it grew quite rapidly over a couple of years and then in 2018 we converted from uh, regular to organic and uh, my wife and myself then were, were together in the business. We both gave up our day jobs and... So was this just a hobby that you were doing and it just... Well, I was used to be matured, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> I used to be professional at it, but like I, I was out of it for a while, and we just went, basically went back into it again. Time was ripe, as they say. The most of the stuff we get here is local stuff, and you see it's pretty most popular. And compared to the shopkeepers that you get downtown. But sure, it's not just it, like people come here and then they'll ramble off to the shops in the town shop anyway. So they they are getting a benefit from it. We get a crowd here from, I'd say, every county in Ireland. Last week, now I had people here from, I had people here from Sligo. I had people here from Marsworth. I had people from Tipperary. That was only just last week alone. They come from all over the place. They seem to support us. They always praise us for juice, for what we have here. And uh, it is good, it's good for everybody. Yeah, for me, you know. <laughs> How are you getting on every six weeks? Good, how are you? Flying it. Yeah, well, big celebrations this week, sir. Big celebrations. What is it about the market that brings you here every week? <laughs> <Pate>. <laughs> and is that what, you just come for the pate and go, is it? Or? No, no, I buy other things when I come here, but the pate is the draw, yeah. it's, it's what draws me. It's your first port of call. That fiver's in the post now, Barry, is it? They're here every week. What sort of products do you have here? Can you explain what you have here in front of you? Yeah, I have a vegetable curry and I have a white cabbage potato and I have yellow split pea, I have spinach and carrots and I have beetroots and potato and then I have giant couscous with a roasted potato, okay. a roasted vegetable and then and I have green beans and carrots and then I have a samosa. Oh, and how did, are the Irish people taking to Ethiopian food? Amazing. Are they? Loved it. Yeah, 99.9 .9 my customers all are Europeans. A lot of Irish people are very kind of kind of stuck in their ways. Yes. And they won't try new things. Yes. When I started, I was terrified because I don't know how I'm going to introduce Ethiopian food for them. Yeah. I was absolutely terrifying, but the day I started, in two hours, cleaned up everything. So since then, yeah, very busy and happy out with them. So, yeah, they love it. They love it. Hey, Margaret, you were one of the founding members here. We were, yes, across the road in that um, little yard there. Do you see it? Yeah, over That's where we started. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I suppose there was about 10 stalls there. And what were you selling at the time? I was doing uh, vegetarian food, 
chowder, um, some cakes, a mixture of everything. But that was kind of ahead of your time back then, was it 22 years ago? Or? That's probably ahead of my time. <laughs> um, did you, were many people... I, had, I was sold out every single Saturday. I had people coming down from Cork who always did queue up to buy vegetarian tart quiches. People weren't, they were beginning to get into that kind of food then. And I suppose like there was only one outlet in the city. And it was very little, yeah. very, very little. Um, but it was, I loved coming down here to Squaid Fond. And we had Barry, he was doing the pate. Yeah. I was doing my thing. And then you'd go around the buy from all the traders, or trade. I'd give Willie some of my quiche, and Willie would give me free predations. <laughs> Bit of bartering. Yeah, we did, we did this, did we, Willie, all the time? Yeah, all the time, yeah. And did she turn you into a vegetarian, Willie, no? No, no, but I had, I had the son of vegetarian, so that's how I was hitting on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You've retired out of that now, have you? Oh, I retired years ago. That was just only a hobby. Okay. A hobby. Well, I had a catering business in Cork, and I retired from that years ago. And um, I retired, yeah, I, I just got too old. It's hard work. I worked all day Thursday, all day Friday to get everything ready to come down, because it was all... You know, it was all labour-intensive. Yeah, and labour-intensive. You couldn't do it on Monday and freeze it. What a great event it was. The Ethiopian street food really interests me. The Ethiopian food stall down in Middleton. I must get down there and check that one out. I'd say that's Tasty Grub. Talking about Tasty Grub, Free Food Friday again this week, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So, uh, some more shout-outs for you, and uh, then we'll pick a winner in about 10 minutes' time. Morning to everybody at Odin Equestrian Engineering Firm in Middleton, to everybody at Murray Properties, to McSweeney Footwear in Mallow, to the gang down at uh, Musgrave Park and all of the volunteers for the Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup, including Big Picks Media. To everybody at the Hair Factory in Douglas who are listening this morning, hang on, here's an interesting one. We'd love to win some free food. I'm stuck at home with the entire family and we all have COVID. Hmm. This would be nice. I'm not able to cook today and the kids love food. Oh, actually, all my kids love the food. Uh, the Cork Independent team are listening this morning. Would love a munch. Hey, girls, Salon and Toker, who celebrate their first birthday. Um, well done, Judy. To everybody at Treehouse Play School in Rathcormac. Common Sports Warehouse. The Bark Park in Ballinahina. Paddy Power and Groner Braher. The Alzheimer Association in Besborough. Glen Heights Pharmacy are listening. Morning to everybody that shares with Capella Hairdressers, Fresh Mart and Exotic Pets if they were to win. Rockwell Engineering in Ring of Skiddy, Cheeky Cherubs in Bishopstown, uh, Watchers Pharmacy on Shandon Street, Cullen View in Riverstick, Maxall in Douglas, working very hard, Lintown Care Centre, Bookstation in Douglas, and just another few for now, everybody working for Loftus Demolition and Recycling in Dublin Hill, Sports Matters team and the Deep Red Production team, uh, everybody at Easy Living Interiors, Nesbitt Catering Limited, Let's Party Do Hallow, based in Kenturk, and everybody at the Castle Point Boatyard in Crosshaven. So good morning to you all and thanks for listening. We'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday. Should feed at least 15 of you, maybe even more if you share it around. Starters, main courses and desserts in about four or five minutes' time. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. And you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Still a lot of texts and emails coming on 
in across the morning, certainly health-related things or misdiagnosis or waiting lists. I tell you something, it's going to be Monday by the time I come back to that, but I promise that I will. But one of the points that we've been mentioning from time to time is the issue regarding passports. You see, they're taking an awful lot of the COVID tracing staff that were working on COVID and they moved them over to the passport offices, see if they can speed things up. Anyway, I don't know whether this is a good, I think it's more of a positive story, which is good. Martin, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. It is good. I'm good, thank It is good to get the positive. So what have you got for us? Yeah, so I just said I'd share a positive story to know, given all the, the nightmares we're hearing about passports the yeah. next week, the month. So we had, we had a newborn son in March, so obviously we wanted to get away before the summer was out. So we filled out his online application for the, you know, the first-time passport. And uh, after that, then we just had to gather up various bits of documentation, you know, copies of my and my partner's passport and his birth cert, and we had to get the consent form, you know, signed by the guards, or the, the identity form, I should say. And we sent them off at the start of May, I think maybe the end of the first week or start of the second week of May. And uh, I was able to track it in online. So the, the issue date was June 16th, which would be, I think, next week, I think. Um, but I opened my postbox yesterday morning and the passport was there a week early. So oh my God, why is that? How did it all work out so fast? Is it I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. So I think all in all, that's the... By the time they got the documentation, that's when they start processing it, you know, the hard copies. So we're talking about a month. So, yeah, we were we were delighted, really. Yeah, I wonder, are you just, is, are you the exception or is that becoming the rule? They were saying that the problem with people's delays was they weren't filling in or sending the proper forms and documentation. I mean, did you just get lucky or what? Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, what surprised me more, I was kicking myself at the time than I was filling out the online application. I actually put in my old passport number by mistake. Yeah. Um, and I had to submit it before I realised this, so I was going mad, thinking now it'll take longer. But when I was sending off the hard copy forms, I just put in an explanatory note, you know, that to say I did this in error, I've included a photocopy of my old passport and my new passport. And it seemed to do the trick. So You don't have the same passport that. number for life, no? No, no, it actually changed. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same myself. No, there was a new passport number. Okay. But, okay, um, okay. So I thought the suggestion would be if anybody makes a mistake and they realise it after, just put in a little note stating it. Um, so, yeah, we're delighted. Get to the airport fast. Oh, well, yeah. Ourselves is packing the bags there now, Neil. So, we'll be, we're only five minutes from the airport here. So, we'll be heading off. <laughs> when? I know, I'm only joking. We're going to go... We're gonna go <laughs> no, we're I'm just saying, August, if so. you're going through Dublin Airport, you want to give you a few days. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're only five minutes here from Cork Airport, so we'll be, we'll be up the road, hopefully in August now. So, um, and have you any plans as to where you want to go? Uh, the Costa del Sol, I'd say. Anywhere now, it's just two and a half hours on the plane with the small... Back in Costa del Sol uh, is very expensive, I have to tell you, Martin. Have you been there before? I have, I have. Yeah, the flights, we book flights there now in August. And I think for the three of us flying out at Ryanair on a Thursday, I think it's about 300 euros. Oh, I know so that, but the, it's just the cost of things there. You know, if you head up the yeah, East the Coast a bit more, up to the Costa Blanca or the Costa de Valencia, you'll get fierce better value. Food yeah, is better, right. prices we are cheaper, people are nicer, everything. Very good. Well, we'll have to take a look at that. I'll tell you something. <laughs> just so, yeah. just um, stay listening because I'm actually going to go live there right now. So this might encourage you to change your plans, all right? But I'm delighted the passport right, arrived. Good. Stay listening to this. Hang on. Cheers. Oh, oh this year. Oh, the latest spell for Rudolph Valentino. He had a Beano back in the stormy days. He knew every time you meet an icy creature, you gotta teach her her bloody Latin ways.
to be stuck in your head all day. But even Rudy would have felt the strain. Just singing it in traffic. Or make us most advanced in the, in the rain. Here we go. All this year I'm up to Sunday stay. All together now. Heavy Oh, and Jamie O'Hara, jump in there in Valencia. Neil, I wasn't sure whether or not to join in in the singing. Hey, if you'd like to do something to a matador. <laughs> anyway, you're on, a, you're on a journalistic jolly to Valencia. Is that right? You fly out with Ryanair on a new route. New route, Neil. Cork to Valencia twice a week, Thursday and Sunday from Cork Airport. So Visit Valencia decided, you know what? We get a few cart jar notes together. We send them out here. We show them a good time. And we've had a brilliant time. We flew out yesterday evening. Our friends at Cork Airport really looked after us, got us into the lounge. And um, flight way quicker than I thought. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. There's never any delays in Cork Airport. It's a dream. Five minutes straight <laughs> yeah, through. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Meanwhile, people were growing old uh, in the queue at Dublin. <laughs> I'm being harsh. I'm talking to you from outside the central market. It's a covered food market. It's... Think the English market, but about the size of Cork Airport. Yeah, Absolutely that's no, that's massive. further north up the east coast, Valencia, isn't it? It's a big city, isn't it? Yeah, if you if 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 Cork is the south of Spain, Dublin is where Valencia is, roughly on the map, and so it's a coastal town, very historic. We've just done a full city tour of like the old city, so. I've been in more churches than I've been in the last couple of years. And <laughs> uh, the architecture here is absolutely amazing from the time when the, uh, the, the, the city was ruled by people from the Muslim world to the Romans to now. There's just everywhere you look, it's just something to, to I got, photograph. I, I got to ask you about the guide who was telling you about when Valencia had the America's Cup because it was supposed to be in Cork but Ireland pulled out of it and we're the worse off for it what, what, what impact did it have when they had it there? So it seemed to have a massive impact Neil um, when we got to our hotel last night we got settled went out for dinner with Eva from Visit Valencia and we had lovely tapas and she was telling us about the, about the place I didn't know too much about Valencia I'll be honest and she said that in 2007 they had the America's Cup here and she said it just transformed the city um, you know, obviously the infrastructure is expensive, but it's there forever and it attracted hundreds of thousands of people. And one of the things as well, she said, restaurants were booked out for the year. Hotels because, were know, booked out as well, know, I bet. And absolutely. I bet you a lot of the people that visited keep coming back then, you see. That's the thing. You can see the draw. You can see the draw of Valencia because it's the third largest city in Spain. So it's kind of easier to get around. Um, even our travel cards for today, for, for 72 hours, metro buses, all public transport, and there's even tapas and uh, vouchers for wine and tapas with it. 22 euro. Unbelievable. You can see why people come back here. The value is, value is great. And, and what's the weather so, like? Neil, it's absolutely roasting. I'm talking to you from the shade of a small tree. Um, <laughs> when we got here yesterday, it was 20, it was mid-20s, yeah. 22, 23 degrees. That was at 8 p.m. And this morning by 10 a.m. when we started our tour, I think it was 26, 27. I don't even know what it is now. It must be, must be close to 30. So you can imagine all the, all the Cork journalists in the, in the taxi when the guide tells us that she expects it to get to 32 or 33 degrees today. We were all a bit scared. Great thing, the so, great thing about Spain is just an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours away, you see, and you can fly out of Cork Airport. Is this a new direct flight into the city then, yeah? Yeah, brand new. And um, Cork Airport say that demand has been has been phenomenal so far. 
and I can I can see why. Yeah. Even yeah. Valencia Airport is really easy to get around. It's it's an absolutely tiny airport. It's like Cork. People will kind of recognise that size, and uh, it's just really easy to get around. And you yeah, can't say anything about the prices of things. I'd say because you guys won't have to put your hands in your pockets, but you can be damn sure that the further up the east coast you go, the cheaper it gets, right? Well, even like beers, for instance. Okay, a, a, a glass of beer. They do half liters here. Um, it's like two euro fifty. Um, wine is about three fifty. Yeah. And you know, food is really reasonable. I bought a bottle of water today for a euro. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just really, really good value. Yeah. Enjoy the day. How long are you there for? We're here until we're here until Sunday. Right. We're here until Sunday. And Neil, I'm just wondering if I could work from. You know, a lot of talk about working from home. I wonder if working from Valencia would be a would be a, an option. <laughs> that's a way. That's way above my pay grade, pal. It really is. <laughs> you might put in a good word for me. I can do that. I'll, I'll ask Lana on your behalf. No, Thank she's you. shaking her head. You cannot read live no? news okay, from Valencia. She says not permissible. Yeah, Sorry about that, pal. Make the most <laughs> of it between now and Sunday. You're coming back. <laughs> I will do, Neil. Good man. Take care. Cheers for now. Take Visit Valencia.com. I haven't been there, but I have been a little bit further south into the Costa Blanca area for the first time. Highly recommended. So you can go into, um, obviously you can go into uh, into uh, Valencia through their own airport. Um, it's fabulous. Lovely size and everything. Get further details online. It's very sad, though, about the America's Cup, isn't it? It could have really transformed the city. It would have given us an incredible year in 2024. But, of course, it ain't happening. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. That's a bit of business. Thank you very much. This week's winner, Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park, our cross-refrigeration on the old Mallow Road. Can we get them on the phone, if at all possible, ASAP, cross-refrigeration. They will receive food that should feed at least 15 of them. Get a selection of chicken wings, skewers and beef skewers. The main event is the chicken wraps, the chicken pittas, and the beef burgers, all of the sides, the salted peary fries, and also the new waffle fries, rice, and also you get to build your own cheesecake. So, excellent. Got them already. Let's see how we go. Crosses, refrigeration, and the old Mallow Road. Laura, good morning. Hey. Oh, 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 there's a lot more than Laura. Congratulations. Are you hungry, you guys? <laughs> how many of you are there? We are four here at the moment and getting there. It's People <laughs> Call all the crew back to the office. Call everybody back for food. Do you hear me? <laughs> On the way. Right. Do you have Mick? Do you have Mick Barry still working there? No, no, he's uh, gone. You see, that's a shame because he eat most of it if he could get his hands on it. So it means more, or f- more food for the rest of you. Anyway, give us a big shout out. Enjoy the weekend. Congratulations. <laughs> Good stuff, well done. Everybody at Cross Refrigeration on the Old Mallow Road. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.